Check one, two. Check one, two. Miami on the rocks. Casey Chops. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at MIA on the rocks. Follow us on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. It's brought to you by Smiles Official. Make sure you stream his new single featuring Tory Lanes. Spotify, Apple Music. Follow him on Instagram at Smiles Official. Today's guest. I don't have a lot of DJs in here. I've had one other DJ in here out of 67 episodes. And I was like, I got to get DJ Conflict in here. How are you, sir? Oh, hi. You good? I'm well. Thank you. Who's the other DJ? Don Hot. Okay. So I look at I look at I look at DJing, bro, as like were you a wrestling guy growing up? Yes. Okay. So I look look at DJing as like there was there's the WCW and the WWF, like two federations. Okay. Right? And and I look at you as the 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 number one slot, the, the 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 champion in one federation. And I look at Don Hot, say that's WWF, and I look at Don Hot like the champion in the WCW Federation. Okay. And, you know, the, I would say the, the federation you're on, you know, because I, I put DJs in two categories, right, uh, based on based on your style. And I would say, you know, you have, I would say the, the great, the, the, the godfather of this, you know, federation is DJ AM. And then you follow that class, you know, I, I, I would put you right under DJ AM. And then you have all your kids as well who like, you know, who have kind of your style. Then I go to this side, the WCW, and I would probably put like maybe Kid Capri in this federation as the godfather, maybe with like DJ Camillo. And then, you know, I, I, I think that I would fall on that side of, of, of in that federation. And sometimes, you know, p- more people are watching the WWF. Sometimes the cycle goes when more people are watching the WCW. And, you know, I've always respected what you've done ever since, you know, I came up in the DJ game and, and you're a little bit older than me. And, and I've always just really held you in a high regard, bro. So, you know, if I'm going to have a DJ here, I'm glad it's you. You know, I'm glad you're only allowing world champions onto your podcast. It's a yeah. smart move on your part. Yeah, I'd rather have bartenders, you know. <laughs> no, because no, no, if I'm the WWF world champion and then Don Hunt's the WCW world champion, it's a high standard to set. Like, right. You know, only world champions. Exactly. Yeah, that's and, it. That's the tagline. Casey Chops, only world champions. Exactly, man. And, and you know, for the DJs there that are listening, a lot of DJs will probably be um, listening to this. And we're going to get a little geeky with the DJ talk and, and t- touch, some, you know, some other subjects. Um, and, you know, what what your federation in the style that you possess and, you know, DJ AM and, and guys like you, man, you guys are turntableist to the max, you know. Mm, okay. You, are you rolling? Or not yet. Not, I don't know if we're turntables to the max. Turntables to the max uh, would be more involved in, in the extreme technical abilities. So you're talking about like uh, not just very, very, very intricate scratching, mm-hmm. but you're also talking about beat juggling. Mm-hmm. Okay, beat juggling serves no purpose in a club setting, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I've seen it done a few times; it's never worked. Mm-hmm. I never bothered to learn it when I was like going off and learning a lot of these technical things. Mm-hmm. Never bothered to learn beat juggling because I looked at it and I was like, "This is cool. Mm-hmm. You're making a different beat with a beat that already exists, but it does nothing for my dance floor." I would even put scratching in that category. Then no, I yes, scratching does not induce dancing, but mm-hmm. it adds that sprinkle of flavor. Gotcha. So it's like where I would add a scratch. Maybe the person in the other federation would be like, 
if you love, you know, hip hop, let me see one hand up right. while I'm playing house music because I'm about to play it. But right. if you don't, see, if I don't see enough hands up, I'm not playing hip hop. Right. If you love hip hop, let me see your hand up. So that's their little sprinkle. And then over here, the little sprinkles. And then it's like, oh, and somebody might look up and go, damn, that was dope. Yeah. Like catch your attention. Yes, exactly. Right so it's like different attention grabbers that serve the same purpose. So I wouldn't say extreme turntablist. I would just say, um, a term tableist that fits inside of the club mold. Okay. Like there's a mold if you want to play in a club. Right. And I fit, you know, so does, you know, Don Hot, so do you. Right, we right, all fit right. in the same mold inside a club. But like we, we might be in different sectors and like my sector's over here, your sector's over here. Sometimes right. we might end up, you know, crisscrossing. Right, doing exactly. This, right. You know, we do this thing, but we, we stay inside that box. So it's definitely not extreme. And the turntables, what they do is, is a lot harder okay. than what we do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and you know, like... You, you you guys do things like wordplay and, and, and things of that. You get real creative, and, and I'm sure, you know, you, you get that from DJ AM is probably one of your influences, like print main influences, Yeah, right? so for sure, a, late, a later influence in life, uh, but the first influence was DJ Craze. I had VHS tapes, mm. and I'd watch the DMC. And, you know, you watch the DMC. There's lots of competitors, but you always watch the winner. Mm-hmm. And I, Craze won three years in a row. I think it was like... Uh, 97, 98, 99, or 98, 99, 2000, to the mm-hmm. point where the DMC, you know, was like, hey man, just stop competing because right. you're going to win every year. We got to give other people a chance to win. So I watched those VHS tapes and I would just look and you'd see him doing things. I, my brain didn't understand what he was doing, but I was mm-hmm. like, that looks really great. And he's a world champion, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to be a world champion. Mm-hmm. So like, <laughs> I guess I made it cause now I'm the WWF world champion. Yeah. But. <laughs> so like and, and for DJs that are just starting out, I think when you say, okay, I want to be a DJ, it's like, you know, being in the medical field, you got to choose what kind of DJ you want to be. Mm. And, you know, I think we all look at the DJ that we look up to when it's like, okay, I want to be like him, you know? And now there's a lot of DJs like, you know, you mm. could be the Twitch guy, you could be the the you know the the Instagram live guy. You could be the club guy. You could be the private party guy. There's all different types of DJs you can be. So is it safe to say that you know when you decided I want to be a DJ, it was Craze was the guy. Like I, I need to follow his. Like I want to be like him. Is that possibly, but not entirely. Okay. So I looked at that as something that I wanted to imitate and mimic, but not potentially something that I wanted to pursue the entire way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why, but what I enjoyed was making people enjoy what I was doing mm-hmm. more so than the, the satisfaction that you get when you win a competition. Mm-hmm. So I looked at what he was doing as a good competitive DJ, mm-hmm. but I, I wanted to play for my friends after school. And when they, when they said, wow, that was good. I felt fulfilled. I was like, whoa, oh, you like that? Wow. It was like, I want to make money in that equation as well? Not yet. Okay. They didn't get there yet, but it was just like, let's see what else we can do. Mm-hmm. You like that mix? You like this from this record to that record? It's like, yeah, that was that sounded good. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, let me come up with another one. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can figure out another two songs that work well. Maybe I can figure out a string of four or a string of six. Mm. So playing for my friends after middle school, they'd come over to my house. They'd, they'd hop on my computer and go on AIM and talk to girls, and I would play music in the background. And I'd be like, how was that? They'd be like, that was ass. <laughs> And I'd be like, shit, I'm guessing I can curse on your body. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and then I'd say, well, how was that? It's like, that was better. Do that again. So I would mm-hmm. repeat the mix, repeat the mix. I'm like, okay, it's getting boring now. Do something else. So I was like mm-hmm. performing yeah. you know, in middle school. So I enjoyed that a lot. And then uh, I, I thought to myself, okay, how do I make money off this being 14, 15? 
I knew that you could do house parties. Mm-hmm. People have birthdays. They have DJs in their backyard. So I thought, all right, I guess I'm going to be a mobile DJ. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do for now. And mm-hmm. my intention was never to make a career out of it mm-hmm. yet. So I partnered up with a buddy of mine that I went to high school with. And I would sit in high school, like w- watching the teacher explain things to me and just play on my desk. Just like this. Like I was mimicking oh, shit. the patterns of the vinyl and the fader. Mm-hmm. And I would just sit there and just hear it in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all day mm-hmm. get home be like hey check this out i was practicing this today i'm practicing oh nothing man just listen does this sound good mm-hmm. <laughs> right so eventually partnered with a buddy had some house parties people when they had a birthday they needed equipment they needed speakers and we would show up and yeah 100 bucks we'll be there it's like you know we're 15 16 it's like 100 dollars a big deal my mom would cram all the equipment in her car drop me off either wait for me or like pick me up and then progression through high school once you get to be 17 18 years old your friends start doing parties and house mm-hmm. parties so they, there was a time in miami i don't know if it's still a thing because I'm, I'm old now so older at least so there was a time where in high school people would pass out flyers like house party this weekend this is where we're going this is the house somebody would have a big house and they would volunteer it to have a house party they would have a section where there would there might be liquor and they definitely charged admission at the door mm-hmm. so they needed djs for that and back then the only people that were djs were the ones that had vinyl because cd players were not really a big thing like mm-hmm. dual cd players were a thing but you couldn't really mix that well the mm-hmm. really expensive ones you could do stuff with mm-hmm. but turntables and vinyl were just a lot more right. accessible so i had records i had some records that i'd been building the collection up through middle school and high school and whenever somebody needed a dj at a house party i'd be like hey i'm available i'm ready to go mm-hmm. and those same promoters that would do 500 people at a house party mm-hmm. eventually worked their way to south beach this is in the uh, mid aughts, which is in 2005, 2006. And so they worked their way to clubs on South beach and the nightclub promoter or the owners would look at them and go, Hey man, you just got 500 people at a house party. Can you bring me 35 kids that are over 21 mm. over 20? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, these promoters would be like, yeah, for sure. So then what would happen is they'd be like, we have a DJ too. Slip right in, right? So now I'm 18 years old and I'm playing on South Beach clubs with these small small clubs that would allow... It pe- seems... It, uh, sorry to cut you no, off, no, but, no. It, but it seems like a lot of DJs, you know, in your class, like you have, you know, the people I look up to, like Mauricio, you, it seems like you guys did start very young. It... Like it was, a, it was an advantage. Right. I started, I mean, I got my first turntable on. on well, well, I mean, in South Beach, I apologize. Oh, like yeah, yeah. In the clubs, like super lucky. Being 18, DJing on South super Beach. Super lucky. Is, you know, it seems like that was a lot, you know, for you and, you know, I think even Radimus. I think a lot of guys yeah. that are, you know, like. Lucky on my end. So I'll explain the fortune part of it as well. So this club that I first got into, at the end of the night, they'd be like, good job, you're 40 bucks. And I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. I didn't have to bring my speakers or, you know, a mixer or my mm-hmm. coffin that carried all my stuff. I just showed up and played on your sound system. I get $40. You bring your crates. Yeah. Just crates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I was bringing my three buddies, which was the way that we would bring guys, you know, your friends to the club yeah. back in the day was like, Oh, it's me and my four guy friends. And be like, okay, cool. Yeah. There was no, never a big deal. Now, if you go, it's me and my four guy friends, they're like, yeah, you can't yeah. do that. Every DJ had like three friends that yeah, because, with them everywhere. Because you had to carry yeah. these hundred pound crates. So... I started working at that club regularly because the owner was like, hey, man, you did a good job. Come play here. And I would just play there, I don't know, two nights uh, per week, Fridays and Saturdays or Thursdays. Like I, I worked around my senior year in high school. 
And then it just happened to be that that club owner became the marketing manager for a big conglomerate mm. uh, that no longer ex- exists, I think, or you know, whatever. But they had some of the biggest clubs on South Beach. Mm. Became marketing manager, marketing guy, promoter for them, and he was like, "Hey, the back room needs a DJ. It's two hundred fifty bucks for the whole night, eleven to six. Do you want to do it?" See, okay, this is interesting that you say this because I actually was corrected and and I, I assumed wrong, but I was shitting on two hour sets. I thought these new long sets and I was wrong, but I thought these new long sets were something new mm. that the club owners were doing. And I came in the game doing like, like doing two hour sets at the club. So when it went to three, I'm like, okay. Then it went to four. I'm like, you guys are taking advantage. Then it went to five and I'm like, yo, no, this is like borderline like abuse. You know what I mean? I but then I talked to Zog and Zog was like, no, we were doing 10 to 7 a.m. on South Beach. Like, I'm like, oh shit. I had no idea. Yeah, like, yeah. So they brought me in from 11 to five. And I see, here's the thing being, this is why I don't have uh, like undercutting to me is like not, not a great thing mm-hmm. you know if djs go in and they're like oh I'll, I'll do it for less but sometimes if you're if you're unaware of what you could probably make mm-hmm. it's difficult because sometimes then you ask the question to certain people you're like but then hey, the market moves up and down so it's tough to that's really- too the market does move up and down but it's also kind of taboo to talk to people and say hey man like if i ask you how mm-hmm. much are you getting paid at this spot mm-hmm. eh, some people might not be willing to divulge that information yeah you know uh, i'm of the school that it's like look if you're gonna attack the spot i want to give you some data Mm-hmm. If you have an in, I'm going to give you data. If mm-hmm. it works for you and you get in and they like you and you stay, mm-hmm. then you deserve it. Mm-hmm. If, and if, it, if it's one of my spots and you take it from me, then you deserve it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm falling behind somewhere yeah. or the promoter has different parameters in mind that are requirements and I don't fit in there. So mm-hmm. I just don't fit. Mm-hmm. So I either adapt and like do what they want or mm-hmm. move on. Right. So if you ask me, like if I'm working somewhere at the, and you're like, Hey, I want to get into that spot. What do they pay you? I'd be like, hey man, that's what I get. Yeah, I'll tell you because I would rather help a DJ, right, right, than have the DJ go in at twenty five percent under, one hundred percent, and then take that job, and then I'd be like, yo, you could have asked for this much, yeah, because yeah. that's what they were paying me. Yeah. So anyway, being 19, 20, 19, I think eighteen or nineteen, whatever, and they offered me this back room at this major nightclub. You know what club I'm talking about, right? Mansion. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, I was like, yeah. See, I, did, I didn't know at the time, mm-hmm. right? Like, I didn't know if I was undercutting. I didn't know who was there. And you I were how old at this time? 18, 19. Still living in my back mom's Back mansion, bro? Crazy. The back room. That's nuts. I know. It was 11 to 5, though. And, like, and, and that was like, we could we could safe to say that was the live of that time. You know what yes, I'm saying? Like that was like, the place. It was at 18, the wow. place. I got lucky, man. And uh, that's what's, of all the clubs my promoter friends could have gone to, mm-hmm. there was a lot of them. Mm-hmm. It ended up being that one. And that's the one that the owner ended up working directly with that company. Mm. That's the guy that made me. If ever knew, if anyone ever asks, you know, there's people that like to take credit mm-hmm. that are like, oh yeah, I helped him on with his career. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that pushed him up. But if anyone ever asks me, like, how did you get to be in the space you are? Mm-hmm. 100% I'll tell them who it was. Right. And he's still around now. He owns uh, the thing on the beach now. Right. So it's like, that's the guy I will give credit to every wow. day, no matter what. Wow. <laughs> so they put me in that back room and I'm making 250. And I worked there for years. Let me ask you a question. At that time, how much do you think the main room DJ was making? That's the thing. This is this is where the business end comes in, and that's where like being nineteen, uh, you know, working there for maybe a year or two, working that back room. So I'm I'm working both the small club and the and mansion, and in between there happens to be other clubs. So now I'm in the I'm in the South Beach circuit because I'm working that little club, I'm working mansion, and then there's some in betweeners too mm-hmm. that are like, Yo, can you come play Friday? Because you're at mansion, right? I'm, yeah. 
You so, think they're behind the scenes like, yo, he's only working for 250. Now could we be, could I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was yeah, too yeah. young and naive at the yeah. time. It's possible. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't know if I would have been able to ask for more because a lot of those were like young kid parties anyway. Right. So I look at my life in that moment. I, I take a look at the personal and professional. Professional, for the first time ever, I, I was saving like money. I had money and mm-hmm. uh, money was like no longer a, hey, mom, can I have $20 for gas, please? Right. So then I look at it and I'm still going to college. And I think to myself, all right, I'm making 250 in the back room. I'm making 200 at this club. I'm making 100 bucks on this other one. Mm-hmm. So at that point, let's say that I'm making like five, six hundred dollars a week, which and was I, solid back then, right? 2005 and so, I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't the 40s, but yeah, I yeah. mean, it a, it, for a kid that was 19 years old living <laughs> yeah, in his yeah, mom's yeah, house, yeah. for sure, that was solid. Yeah. No bills, yeah, you know. You mom could, paid for everything. Yeah, you could, could pay a 300 car payment, bro. Anything. I could have yeah. done anything at that point. So. I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to college. If I go for a bachelor's degree in whatever, I get out and I'm making what? 50? Mm-hmm. 60 a year? Mm-hmm. 60,000? So then I did math. If I'm making 250 in the small room, what's the guy in the main room making? Mm-hmm. 500? Mm-hmm. Let's just double it for the sake. They were making way more than that. But let's mm-hmm. just double it for the sake mm-hmm. of for the, the math that I was doing in my head. Okay. I work the main room and then I make two, uh, work two other clubs. If I can make a thousand a week. Who was one of the DJs in the main uh, Mauricio, in, okay. Irie. I, okay. Uh, they were the guys that were the top mm-hmm. dogs. If I make a thousand dollars a week doing this, mm-hmm. I make $48,000 a year. Mm-hmm. What am I going to college for? Yeah. I'm already. It's really as simple as that math I'm problem, already, bro. That's literally it was. as simple so as that. So I had to present it to my mom because my mom was like, please go to college. So I was mm-hmm. like, mom, look, if I do this and I work really hard at it, I can make this much money. There's no point in me spending the next four years doing something I don't want to fucking do. Mm-hmm. She was like, please just have a plan B. I'm like, I love you. No. Yeah. And, that, and yeah. that was just, you know. Best put, decision you ever made. Right? I put my uh, in for the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now it's like now I'm looking back at college and I'm like. I actually just took two courses. That's interesting. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, I'm in my mid 30s. Yeah, and I look around, and there's a lot of DJs that are in the game that are in their 40s, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. Damn, we're at this. This is an interesting talk right here, yeah, bro. Because yeah. we're in this same. I think about this a lot. I love. I love that there's like I look at my some of my peers, and they're in their 40s, and they're still at the top of the game, and I'm like. You're my canary in the coal mine, bro. Like, right. As long as you guys are still doing it now, you know, every year that they get older, right. I'm like, okay, I could do it till 43. And okay. I could do yeah. it till 44. Okay. I could do it till, if I want. Right. And, and without them looking crazy. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like so, outdated or old. So that's, you know that's another thing though. You know, how, how you age is really important in this specific how game. You, how you wear your age. How you, exactly. Yeah. Because if you're the old guy playing mm-hmm. for a room of 21 year olds and you're playing the brand new Nicki Minaj record or whatever, you know, whoever the pop star of the moment is. Mm-hmm. Is your soul going to be okay with that? And when a kid looks up at you, is he going to go, Grandpa? Yeah. You know, that's problematic. So now you're dealing with two different uh, potential hazards of the the job. Your internal hazard, which is like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm -hmm. And the external hazard of who's the old guy. Yeah, exactly. And for the the people that don't know conflict, like, I think you you were on a plane every weekend for, like, for, for the people listening, you know, DJs, we, we, we look at certain DJs and we're like, okay, this DJ is killing it locally. He's booked multiple, multiple times a week. And then you look at DJs like, wow, he's traveling every week. Now he's out of his market. He's on a plane every week. And you lived that lifestyle for a very, very long time. Seven you years. Know? Exactly. Um, and that's something I always looked at and I'm like, dang, is, am I that guy? You know, should I start putting my marbles into that and start, you know, trying to network and, and get out of town gigs, which I see a lot of people now getting out of town gigs. And I'm sure when you were doing it, 
it was worth it for you financially at first, or did you, did you? Because for me, my my ideology was all is always like, if I can make more here, why am I going to travel? If I could, you know what I mean. But I think a lot of DJs would would do it for the the look. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people DJing for the look now and for the brand, and and people look at like your local is something that's like not cool or mm-hmm. you're, you're not, you know, and, and I, you're just local, bro. People, you know, like pe- people. And I always but say to myself, who says that local people? No, <laughs> no, no, no. But even, but like, even, you know, like I think it's been the, the, the goal for most DJs to travel, like, you know, and, and I look at it as like, it's just a different market. Like you could, you could be the local guy and, 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 and work your market the same way and make more money than the guy who's traveling in, in the end of the day is you want to optimize and profit. Like it doesn't matter how you do it. You That's know accurate. Yeah. With, with at the same time, optimizing your health and, 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 and taking care of yourself and your relevance in your marketplace or the, whichever marketplace that is local or, or a domestic. Right. So you, 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 I'm sorry to cut you off, but you did the hottest clubs. Cause I want to, I want to lay some foundation for the people who may not know you. You did the hottest clubs on South beach. Um, and then you, you, you were able to break out and you try, you did the hottest clubs on South beach as well as travel to other places. And you've DJed in, you know, I'm sure over, you know, 30 cities, like, and what is that? How do you assess it now? Well, that's a great question. It's actually, that's <laughs> a very, uh, it's a very deep question. I don't, I don't think I would have been able to answer uh, if I was younger. Okay, so I'm, I'm sorry to cut you no, off no, again. Yeah, but, no, it's good. But <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I have like a gazillion questions for you. But do you feel like the time period of you traveling, do you feel like it did enough? I would say no intuitively, but do you feel like it did a number on your health? Do you have any regrets of doing that traveling? None. Okay. So this is good because we can actually keep going with the story. So you kind of thank you for bigging mm-hmm. me up to, you know, whoever's listening, mm-hmm. but continuing the story. I told my mom, I'm dropping out of college mm-hmm. and I continued in that back room working towards that main room. Mm-hmm. And that's all I focused on mm-hmm. main room and DJing, main room and DJing, main room and DJing, like figuring out how to get there at the time on South beach. You only worked with one group, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully I was working for the group that had the most amount of clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had mansion set Louie, cameo mokai mm-hmm. so i was in a time that was rotating i was working three to four nights a week locally mm-hmm. for you know decent money and mm-hmm. i didn't have a need to go anywhere i think we say more than decent right well i was making what you know a, a first year lawyer makes i guess okay you know okay. that's one way to put it or you mm-hmm. know definitely like a, a physician's assistant without the, the debt for the amount of hours you're putting in too oh, as no, well. for the amount you of know? hours i was putting in i was you know yeah, we are right. <laughs> we right, are right. Right, right, <laughs> like, right, right. That's part of the reason no one ever leaves nightlife because it's like fast money. You know? money yeah. I remember uh, there was a, a a friend of mine who was a dancer at one of these clubs that she were, she like left like a go go dancer. Just to clarify, she left the job. She would just do like three or four sets a night mm-hmm. at like a club. And I saw her post something on Facebook. It's like, well, just finished my first two weeks of my regular job and looked at my paycheck. This is going to definitely get some, uh, take some getting used to, <laughs> you know, because yeah. you go out, you dance on a dance box and make a hundred bucks music fun for an hour. Energy, exactly. Yeah. Versus, you know, eight hour work days. Anyway, I found Damn, my, I look, no, no, hold on look, to it or write it down. Yeah. So I, I found my way to the main room eventually, mm-hmm. you, you know, nothing lasts forever. And whoever was at there at the time moved on or there was a problem or they gave me a slot or let's say they said, let's switch it up. And so I'm working three to four nights a week with this group and everything's going great. Did that for about three or four years. And then I looked around and everything was the same. 
Mm. So I was kind of raising my quality of life with the amount I was getting paid. And now, now another branch of question from this is you're in your twenties right now. Yes. And how are you managing your money at this time? Cause I'm it, not. Okay. <laughs> I'm not. But you did own a condo, bro. I, you know? Yes. I, okay. th- but that doesn't, you know, at I, that time you didn't, I owned a condo, but I mean, so with a crazy view when you owned it, let's be clear. Like yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but, um, I, that's the, the best thing that I did, but at the same time, it wasn't that good it, towards the, the later end. And I, I mean, I could explain that real quick. Once you move out of it and you're not, you like rent it out, there's a lot more costs that go into it. So mm-hmm. it's like the rent that I was getting for, for that space and the headache and not so, so much the headache, but the association fees were mm-hmm. crushing. Mm-hmm. So the rent would be like right here. And then the rent plus the association was over here. I was mm-hmm. bleeding money every month once mm-hmm. I put it out for rent. But anyway, living there was fantastic mm-hmm. and it was a great, great place to live. I was one bridge away from the beach. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Three or four years into the, all the main rooms of all the clubs, having a great time, enjoying myself, v- pushing my craft, learning psychology of DJing, I find that I'm not moving up in the financial sector. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I always have the same amount in my bank account. Mm-hmm. That was my fault entirely because mm-hmm. I had a you know an expensive condo and I always had a really nice car. What were your vices? Uh, what were your other vices at that time? Zero. Just uh, so you just mismanaging money. How? Well, I was spending probably like two to three thousand dollars on that condo, and then a thousand dollars on a car payment. Mm, That's okay. four grand, right? Okay. So, like, if you, sorry to get personal business. This is yeah, more, yeah, than, yeah. more than a decade yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm eating out almost every meal because mm-hmm. I'm not cooking for myself. And then mm-hmm. I would go on dates when I had girlfriends. And damn, you sound like me right now. And uh, <laughs> you know, whenever whenever I saw, here's the thing, and this is kind of continued to this day, and but now it's more toned down. When I saw something that I wanted, as long as it wasn't outside of the norm, like, uh, you know, I'm not going to buy a petrified dinosaur egg for hundred grand. Yeah. But if I, if I saw a pair of shoes that I wanted, I'd be like, Oh, those are dope. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Mm. I don't care. When I went to the grocery store, if I went to the grocery store, I didn't look at prices. I yeah. just grab things. Oh, I need this. I need this. And it was freedom. Right. At the same time, I wasn't living some lavish, lavish, luxurious life where I could get whatever the fuck I wanted at all mm-hmm. times, but I was free enough to make simple decisions within my life that did not revolve around, can I afford it? Mm-hmm. So, always had the same amount, plus property taxes and special mm-hmm. assessments and, you know, a lot of stuff goes into being a property owner in a condo, especially when it's an older building that they're constantly doing fixes to, you would understand. So... I show up to one of the clubs one night and there's a guest DJ back then you didn't have a, a rotating schedule mm-hmm. every day you had your residency. You just showed up. Yeah. yeah Nobody yeah. had to tell you, Hey, make sure you're there Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, Hey, you're there Tuesdays, you're, you're there Wednesdays, you're Fridays, you're Saturdays every week. I don't give a fuck. Show up. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. So then one night I show up and as I'm walking in, they're like, you got a guest DJ tonight. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I mean, I never have a guest mm-hmm. DJ. They were like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're playing with this guy from Vegas. And I was like, cool. This guy shows up. I'm like, what the hell's going on? He plays, you know, he plays the music. I'm like, oh, it's a cool DJ. It's good. Um, and then he leaves. And then it happens again, like another week down the line. And, another, and then again, mm. DJ's from Vegas. And I was like, what, what's happening? The people I were working for went and bought a club in Vegas. And so they needed DJs in Vegas. And the management company that was going to provide them DJ said, hey, no problem. We got your DJs in Vegas. Let's get them through your other clubs, too. And I'm like, okay. So then they were, you know, doing, doing business. stuff, yeah. Doing business. And my mind just went, ding. 
Okay. So I'm doing everything locally. I'm working for the best club group, but these guys are working from Vegas. If they're working here, I want to work there. Mm -hmm. Hey, how do I get to Vegas? Mm-hmm. No one can answer that question. Mm-hmm. I asked a few people, you know, managers. And at this time, are DJs really traveling like that? Some. Okay. This was like... Who did you look at? Like, damn, he's really traveling. Maybe I need to follow nobody. his... Oh, okay. Yeah, nobody. I never really paid attention to the marketplace that much. Mm. I just... I was, <laughs> I guess, uh, a little naive. I didn't see it till it was right in front of me. Mm-hmm. You have a guest DJ from Vegas. I was like, oh, you can do that? Yeah. You know, yeah. it had to slap me in the face for me to realize it. So then I started asking people, started asking people, started asking people. Nobody could get me a straight answer. I have no idea. Somebody, one person told me I'm so local. It's not even funny. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get me anywhere. Eventually I emailed somebody, a management company, and it happened to bounce to a person that ended up leaving that. And then we got together a couple months later and it was slow. It's like one gig in Oklahoma, one gig in St. Louis, one gig over here, one gig over there. Playing Mokai Mondays was the biggest career boost of my life because people people partied at mokai on mondays from everywhere Mm -hmm. people from switzerland and europe were coming to mokai mondays giving me business cards with swiss phone numbers like i have a Mm. club in switzerland please call me and this was before the edm bubble you but you were playing house 2007 what was the music cycle like at the time uh it was open format leaning towards up-tempo pop music okay like 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 house for, remixers or the originals? Uh, okay, like Sierra uh, Goodies, Boom Boom Pow, Goodies. Gotcha. Um, what's the one with Lloyd and and Young Jock? Uh, Get it shorty. Get it shorty. Okay. Uh, Low by Florida. Okay. All these up tempo precursors to. Got you. Yeah. So it was like a natural progression. The 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 dancer or the 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 average club goer was already primed they were they were prepped because they were all used to that 128 130 bpm and then when you just change the musical format from yeah sorry if i'm yeah yeah, someone banged the table once and the usb fell out i was like okay uh so they were primed and they were ready to go that's why it was an easy an easy transition so i was getting business cards from everywhere happened to get a business card from somebody that worked in vegas passed it along to my agent flew to vegas they're like yeah you crushed it got a Vegas residency. And then from there, once you start building that resume, it's like a local resume. Oh, you, I worked at the little club and the medium club and then mansion and then other places want too. So the first time you flew to Vegas, yeah. was it a boost in money or were you doing it? Absolutely not. They said, we're not going to pay you a full rate. It's a, th- it, oh shit, I said it. It's a thousand dollars. Okay. They but, offered and, me a grand. And they didn't pay a flight or hotel, right? They got me a hotel. Okay. So specifically the first deal, they were like, hey, it's a trial basis. We're going to give you a thousand dollars. With a hotel. With a hotel. And you pay the flight. And I pay the flight. So you're kind of coming out there with like, at that time, like 700 probably. Six, 700. Probably. Okay. And, and minus my, and minus my agent commission. I would assume you, you, you know, back home, that same, you could get that same. Dumb street. Yeah. Without the flight. Yeah. You yeah. can walk to the, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. But. I'm so in Vegas, this was a trial. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm like, damn, if I do this good, what kind of rate can I get? Mm. If the trial is a thousand, mm-hmm. what are they offering if you're uh, a paid regular? Yeah. If you will, that's a comedy reference for somebody that, that yeah. would appreciate it. Uh, the stars aligned that night and we stayed open till like five 30 in the morning. They said, we haven't stayed open that long since we opened the nightclub. How long was your set? from 12 12 30 to 5 30 okay five and a half hours okay i might still have the set list saved mm, damn bro yeah that's dope so the next day there was an email and they were like you're our guy you're gonna be here once a month my agent's like fantastic can we get some real money please mm-hmm. and then they said yeah 
So I did that residency specifically for about six years. Mm -hmm. And I was traveling to Vegas. I was doing about three to four Vegas dates per month for the next six years, plus all the other stuff. So Mm -hmm. now you have my flyers from Vegas, my flyers from Miami. Mm -hmm. Who's going to say no? Right. You got the agent going, hey, New Jersey, look what we got. Do you want it? Mm -hmm. It's over here and over there, two biggest markets. At what point did traveling get annoying? Uh, I want to say, oh man, you know, I I told you at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. podcast that I didn't want to, but probably around having, having a kid. Okay. So after, after having a kid, I was like, but did you ever, I'm sorry, but did you ever feel like, like, damn, I'm traveling a lot. I'm on airplane every weekend. Did you feel your, 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 your health? Like, no, like, okay, Look, look, man, I don't drink. Right. I'm healthy. That's true. I eat proper food. Mm-hmm. I exercise. You, you, you've always been like that for the most part. Since 22. Okay. Once I started, okay. I started, once I found martial arts, I was like, okay, this is my thing. Okay. This is my secondary. My okay. primary is DJing. This is my second thing. Love okay. it. So I've always been a healthy person. No, it's, it's a taxing. Yes. Does it suck? Eh, sometimes, right. but I optimize my travels traveling mm-hmm. so much. I learned how to do it very efficiently. Mm-hmm. And then I can give some, t- I had a whole, I have an idea for a book uh, at this point, I guess I might just release, I never fucking put it out, but yeah. it's called tips for the traveling DJ. Mm-hmm. And all, so. it, all it was, was it's a coffee table book, mm-hmm. little one sentence blurbs, mm-hmm. put your DJ bag after all of your personal materials in the bin. Why? Because mm-hmm. your DJ bag has a bunch of shit in it with cables and electronics, and they're going to go through it. Mm-hmm. So while you're putting your stuff in your pockets, they can search through your bag. So you're not waiting, and your, your personal stuff's behind your bag, and all of a sudden they bag mm-hmm. check, and they stop the shit, and mm-hmm. everything gets there. And you're sitting there with your socks, no shoes, and nothing in your pockets, mm-hmm. no phone to play with. A bunch of little tricks like that. Little simple tip. Uh, okay. And then now multiply that times seven years and 1.3 million miles flown. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> three million miles no, flown. No, 1.3. 1.3 oh, 1. million. Yeah. How many flights would you say? How many flights per year? I had to have at least 110 uh, legs for, for executive platinum. So, so you, you, at least 110 total, flights. In total, we could say you had over 500 flights. Every year? No. No, no just in general, in your whole, like, oh, in your whole career. Yes. Maybe in 18 months. Jesus, bro. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. So, yeah, well, because you're talking about leaving and coming back. That's two. Yeah. Yeah. So as I get older, you know, coming into when I was younger in the DJ game, I, I, I started to I, I idolize DJs that were good on the set, good in their craft. But as I got older, I started to really look up to the DJs who did the things outside of DJing, like optimizing their lifestyle, you know, and, and people that were able to juggle family and, mm. and do these type of things. And I was like, damn, could I want to be like them. I hope to be the DJ that can be like them, which is why, you know, someone like Camillo, who's, you know, a family man, I, I think to myself, damn, how does he do that? You know, I look at people who like, you know, stay in the gym and, 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 and you can tell that they take the time outside of their career to take care of themselves and to optimize. To per- Those are the DJs that I tend to like, really like, you know, look up to now as I get older because optimization is everything for me. You know what I mean? Had you, so we've lived our whole life working in nightlife and did you ever have any issues with, you know, just the schedule, like going to sleep at, you know, going to sleep at five how, well, how was in your twenties, even when you were local, what was your sleep schedule like? So I didn't have any issues with it. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't optimal though, 
but I, I don't think it it could be because I was getting home at five in the morning. You right. know, you, you would play uh, a lot of my sets for the group that I played with for years was about 1 a.m., 12.30, 1 a.m., for the most part, till 5. Mm-hmm. So it was four-hour sets, right? Mm-hmm. One to two, two to three, three to four, four to mm-hmm. five. Yeah, four-hour sets. So you get home at 5, you got to unwind. One of my friend DJ Diesel from Scottsdale told me once People's that, always told me that. Don Hall told me that, too, that he can't fall asleep. Right? I get home and I take a shower and I'm out. It's fantastic. Yeah. My buddy DJ Diesel from Scottsdale who uh, oversees a bunch of clubs there told me DJing is like taking your SATs every night because you're applying everything that you've learned throughout your entire career and you're actively watching a crowd and making sure that the night is profitable. I've always said Tetris on level 10. Sure. I'm like, you ever play Tetris on level 10 for four hours? That's how it feels like when you're okay, DJing. So it's your, it's like that. <laughs> yeah. It's your SATs. Yeah. I like the SATs cause it's everything you've ever learned. Right. All at once, mixing, fading, talking, timing, song selection, progression, energy, feeling the crowd, looking at the crowd. That person's not happy. These people are happy. What do I do? Right? Constantly for four hours. The owner, the bottle, the birthday, mm-hmm. the table, the, chaos. Know, the, the sparkler. Chaos. It's fucking chaos. Organized right? chaos. Yeah. Love it. I fucking right. love it. In Vegas, it was the fucking worst and the best at the same time. Right. Every five minutes. Birthday Mario Brothers. Look, dude, the worst thing that ever fucking happened to me as a as a musically inclined individual was somebody telling me that I had to play Ride a Horse, Save a Cowboy, or <laughs> Ride a Cowboy, Save a Horse, whatever the fuck the country song is, yeah. when I was playing Future. Mm. And it's like, next song, we have a birthday in a bottle. Yeah. And I just looked down and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What is there to do at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. So, but you, like, here's the thing: people are like, "Oh, you shouldn't have done it." There's some purist DJs that are like, "Oh, why? Why do you do that? Why? Because I like my job." Yeah, yeah. Because if that person spends five fucking thousand dollars for listening to this dumbass song, mm-hmm. then the club can play the light bill for another month, and exactly. I'll be back next month as a resident. Exactly. So if it if I have to swallow my artistic integrity for one goddamn song mm-hmm. to be able to have job security, mm-hmm. hey man, I think it's worth it. And yeah. you, it, people don't have to agree with me. Yeah. You don't have to be like, oh no, no I would never. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Don't. To each his own. I'll take that job. So you going to sleep at five or going five? to sleep at five, waking up about one to two o'clock. Okay. That's just what my body was doing, and I was not going to get in its way. Gotcha. Had I been taking vitamins, Mm -hmm. eating better, and working out throughout those years, I might have been able to find, and actively trying to improve my my sleep patterns, Mm -hmm. there might have been ways for me to play with that. So instead of waking up so late, maybe I could have woken up earlier and found a nap in the middle of the day to maximize my time. So biphasic sleeping. Something that okay. I, I tuned into a little bit later. So let's say I get home at 5.30 and I unwind after my SATs. I go to sleep at 6. I wake up at 10. It's four hours. Mm-hmm. Then I have 10 a.m. to, let's say, 2. Mm-hmm. Then I take a two-hour nap or a four-hour nap. Mm-hmm. Four to six. Wake up, have dinner, work on music, go to the club. Mm-hmm. Is it optimal? No, but neither is fucking staying up till six in yeah, the morning yeah. on a three to four night yeah, uh, you know, basis. So, and then potentially play with it and then my the adult me would have tracked progress Mm, how do i feel after this week of doing six to ten and then a four hour nap how do i feel from one to ten feel like a seven Mm -hmm. how did i feel when i did a two hour nap felt like an eight Mm, maybe i'm oversleeping Mm. maybe i don't need that extra two slash what did i eat when did i exercise what did i eat well you you keep some constants at least so you're not fucking going crazy exactly (laughs) and a message for the people listening it's very important in my opinion that you continuously run experiments on yourself 
to, to, to figure out how to optimize your well-being. You know, that's important to me. Self-auditing I mean? is important. Right. Not just experiments, but also what am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? Exactly. Where is it coming from? Exactly. Because if you just go through life just impulsively go, sorry, this is preachy, but yeah, if, no, no, no. you know, if you, if you go through life just impulsively doing what you feel. Yeah. Are you your feelings or are you a human? Exactly. You know, like don't be just your feelings. Oh, I'm not so angry. Oh, exactly. Just, why? It's crazy. Like I'll be driving and I'll just feel so blissful and I'll be like, what did I eat? <laughs> when did I exercise? How much sleep did I get last night? You know what I'm That's saying? That's good, man. I, yeah. I have those self auditing thoughts when I have a negative thought. Cause I don't mm. like negative thoughts. Exactly. So the happy thoughts, I'm like, Hey man, I'm happy cause I'm happy period. Right. But then the negative ones, I'm like, wait, why am I angry? Why am I upset? Why am I scared? Why am I fearful? Why am I anxious? Uh, try to mm -hmm. find that. You said profitable traveling. So I was doing every weekend, every other weekend yeah. as my, as the nightclubs that I was working for were kind of on the decline and the group was selling things off and closing things. And you know, the, the tide shifted in South beach and certain places closed. I was, booking more out of town stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was perfectly like, if you looked at a line graph, it was a perfect X, like the right. downfall of my South beach schedule and the, the, the rise of mm. my out of town stuff. And at one point it intersected and I was like, I don't need this fucking local shit anymore. Yeah. I just picked it up when something came across the, the, you know, the page that was interesting or that paid well enough. Mm. And looking back on it, there's, a lot that can be done financially traveling if you maximize and optimize like we're speaking of. But because of the amount of travel I was doing, I wasn't willing to sacrifice certain luxuries. Could I have saved money if I packed my own lunch in, in my DJ bag and like, you know, at least one meal? Yes. Could I have saved money if I had a, a, a portable water bottle that I emptied before TSA and filled it at the, at the airport? Yes. I, I've probably spent hundreds of dollars on airport water. Most of them I've left because I've fallen asleep and they call my gate and I just get up and I run right, to right. it, right? Could I have optimized and saved some more money? Yes. But in my mind, if I'm traveling every weekend, it was like, I'm having my luxuries. Exactly. Exactly. I'm a, yeah, man. It's yeah. Like, so, I, I thought about that too. It's like, what, like, you know, like what is your say? As long as, uh, you know, uh, everyone has a different number to this, but it's like, if you're saving half of what you make a month, is that good? Are you being responsible? Are you, are you, are you saving only 25%? You know, like what's, what's the best? I think the average American isn't even saving. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know what I mean? So it is important to, to also live in the present as well, you know, and, and, and know that this could end tomorrow. Let me enjoy life. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm not there yet. I'm eating out every day still. <laughs> That's it, okay, man. And, and I can justify it because my kitchen is always clean. I don't. I don't. Snack. Well, yeah, because there's no one here to dirty. It. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't snack. You know what I'm saying? And I, I heavily caloric restrict. You know, I'm into uh, you know um, intermittent fasting and things of that nature. So I'm like a car. I go out to get gas and I come home. I don't just constantly just eat bullshit and keep my metabolism and uh, working throughout the whole day. And I think I attribute that to. You know, like feeling good. I feel good. I don't need naps and, you know, that's good. Yeah. Hey man, if it works for you, then there, you know, who can tell you oh, what you're doing is wrong. Exactly. So what worked for me for a while is not what would work for me now at all. Right. I realized a few years into traveling that I was making really good money, but then I started looking like really closely at it mm -hmm. and I was like, this might be a little too revealing, but I, I guess I don't want to use specific numbers. But let's say that when I when I was working local, what? Were you I'm sorry, question for you. Out of that that period of you traveling, how many times did you miss a gig because you were sick? Because I was sick, yeah. zero. I missed two gigs throughout the seven years. Okay, so you traveling as much as you did, you never fell ill, like never got. Nope. Okay, I missed two gigs: one flight problem, and one. 
I had uh, a little bit like of an anxiety attack before okay. before I had to go. Okay. And I was like, I don't fucking want to do this today. Yeah. I don't want to go today. Okay. And I just called it off. I, never, I didn't like traveling. I don't like flying. Yeah. But it was my job. Right. So I just got on the fucking plane. Yeah. But there was one time that I just was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Actually, there might be, might've been three now that I'm looking at it, but no more than that. Okay. It was a handful at most. But it was never an illness. It was never being sick. No. See, that's, that, that, that's interesting to me. You yeah. Know? I was on an airplane. Who knows what my immune system's like? I mean, I had COVID a couple yeah. months ago. Yeah. It was like a cold. So did I in February. Yeah. I was like, uh, me from March, I was like, <clears throat> this sucks. And then, you know, going yeah. upstairs sucked and then I yeah. couldn't breathe. And then after that it went away, yeah. but who knows? Anyway, I looked at it and I was like, all right, if I'm local, I'm making this much. And now I'm traveling, I'm making this much. And I was like, okay, is what I'm making from travel worth the time away from family, time on an airplane, time and wear and tear on the body, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, versus what I, what I could make locally. And looking at these two after having a very long window of traveling, I was like, I don't think it's worth it for me anymore. Mm-hmm. So like now my career, like the reason why I'm not traveling as much as I used to specifically, because I said, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I looked at my agent, you know, I, I quit my previous agency and I hopped on with a local one mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. So just don't give me any more out of town stuff. I want to work on my local foundation. I want to help a new set of DJs. I want to potentially work my way into uh, like label ownership, management of DJs and, and, you know, helping people mm-hmm. and, and working local gigs. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, and, and I thought about it and I was like, look, man, uh, I told my new agent, I'm like, let's do something where I, I travel just once a quarter. Like, mm-hmm. let's pick four months of the year mm-hmm. because I, I, there's still a window for me. Like I just, I just came back from Reno. Mm-hmm. I've been at it for so long that I just, I was hanging out, just jumping on a trampoline <laughs> and, uh, you know, daddy daycare. Mm-hmm. And I get a phone call from my buddy and he's like, Hey, um, I'm starting to book in Reno again. We just reopened. You're my first phone call. And that happens very often because you start mm-hmm. building relationships and making friendships throughout the mm-hmm. whole country. And then people want to have you there. Right. Once you prove yourself as a viable commodity inside of a nightclub, they're like, wow, you play good music, get along with the DJs and you make money for us. Right. Why not? Right. Right. So it's more than just the, oh, we're going to have the star power Miami guy mm-hmm. or the, you know, whatever. It's like, I actually pride myself in being somebody that, that does a good job. So that's why I get booked. Not because I'm like hanging out with the booker afterwards, like, hey, let's go drink some yeah. whiskey or something. Yeah. Like that to me is like, meh. I've hated that shit, bro. I'm not. A, I'm not a social person. I'm really not. Like I'm, I'm antisocial. I don't. I am, that. but I hate small talk, dude. A hundred percent. You know, like 100%. if it's me, I, if it's me, if it's meaningful conversation, I love it. But if it if it feels like we're, I'm just we're forcing this, and there's no. You, you know I what the problem is? It. I don't want to be a disingenuous with a human being. Like if I, there's a booker next to me and I have nothing to say to him, I'm not going to spark a conversation to try to get booked at the fucking club. Yeah. That's not my thing. Yeah. You know, I, Hey, how are you? Oh, did you, did, I love the lights in here. How much did you like that kind of, I'm and not, I have I'm friends that, are, that I have friends that are amazing at yeah, that. Like, it, I have like my best, one of my best friends, Bodega Flea, but shout out to him, uh, you know, DJ doing his thing. He probably, he's on the phone 75% of his day talking to people. I'm like, bro, I wish <laughs> I had like that. It looks so draining yeah. to me. You know if you saying? got it, go for it. Yeah. That's a fan. I'm not knocking it, right, but right, that's right. just not me. Right. I can't. So I pride myself in being the person that gets called for that. So. He calls me up and I'm like, look, man, I'm not, I have no, no willingness to travel right now. I'm focusing on my local shit. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to rebuild from like the floor up. Mm -hmm. So I am, however, going to be in Vegas for my birthday because I booked a trip for my girl me and my girlfriend and we're going to go out for a few days and just have time for ourselves. If you were able to line up that Reno gig to land on my, my Vegas 
mm-hmm. week, I'll fly to Reno and do it. Mm-hmm. If it makes you look good, if it makes you look like you're pulling, you know, a, a recognizable DJ, mm-hmm. good. He's like, all right, how much are you going to charge me? I'm like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be there anyway, man. Yeah. Just, you know, what's the rate? Dope. He tells me the rate. I'm like, cool. That covers our flights, our hotel, our food, and our travel to Reno. We have a free trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'll do it. Just get me that Saturday. Yeah. So those things will come up. So I told myself, look, man, at least one quarter over the year, mm-hmm. if you're still, if you, if there's still money on the table, one of my, one of my friends, DJ friends, and I guess mentors, uh, DJ Graham Funky was like, right now I'm playing hungry, hungry hippos. So like, as long as there's pebbles on the table, I'm gonna keep going at them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I don't want to uh, leave I, pebbles I, on the table. I feel that bro. Right. Are, 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 are a lot of DJs that traveled with you, maybe in your agency, do, do a lot of them have similar sentiments as far as a lot of the people after COVID, I think COVID would like really change people's perspectives. Once they got to like sit at home and be yes. like, Oh shit, this is kind of nice. Not like, just that, but also like I sat at home for a year plus without work, without like paid work. Right. And I looked around, I was like, I don't need that much money. Yeah. I don't need that much money. Yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute, let me go back. So I started looking at my old expense sheets from my corporation, my account, mm-hmm. you know, PNLs from like the first quarter, third quarter. And I look back at 2019 and I'm like, American Airlines, $80,000. <laughs> I'm like, American Airlines is a fucking partner in my DJ conflict business. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. If, my, if I'm spending 80K on, on flights and like travel and stuff, what am I taking home? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I could do you know, good money work locally, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then I, I just looked at it and after COVID really sitting down and like not being on an airplane every week, I was like, okay, that's not something that I want to go back to. And did a you, lot, did you, a did lot of the same sentiment runs through, I think a lot of DJs right industry. Now. Did you feel better? Like did you take away all that traveling. Did so you, the only thing that the only negative, you, this is something that you're harping on. So we can talk about it if you want, oh, uh, uh, <laughs> like uh, the traveling being scary and too much and like stressful. It's not man. No, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. A lot of DJs in the industry are not trying to do that anymore. Like, sure. like you said, had that sentiment, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm curious to just to see like what changed everybody's mind. You know what I'm saying? Like why, obviously the market probably plays a big deal. in So it, I it? think that there's multiple factors. Number one, the peace of mind. Traveling is not, not stressful. It's not, not stressful. Mm-hmm. Traveling can be stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to turn you away from it. Cause I, I feel like if you kind of shifted focus and you were like, I want to start branching out, you could totally do it. Mm-hmm. Traveling is a little bit stressful. There's mm-hmm. lots of things that you have to keep on and, you know, you, you have to be uh, clear-minded to be able to handle it on a regular basis. In my mm-hmm. opinion, anyway, I don't, mm-hmm. I couldn't do it if I wasn't, you know, right? Like if you like drinking during your gigs, you like drinking when you go out of town, it might not last long. Yeah. And it might be a lot harder mm-hmm. because then you start losing money because you got to change your flight. You start losing uh, health because you're sleeping, you mm-hmm. know, incorrectly and your body is not recovering, et cetera, et cetera. But... Mm-hmm. Um, it can be done, mm-hmm. you know, it can be done. If you just focus on what you have to do, you can travel and you can make it profitable as long as you have a good s- local foundation. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Why and- is everyone turning away from it now? Number one, I think it's because they looked back and they were like, Hey, I'm happier when I'm not away from X. I'm not, I'm not away from my dogs, from my girlfriend, from my family, mm-hmm. from my house, from my bed, from my mom, from my Sunday brunch that I like to go out and enjoy my croissant. Mm-hmm. Those things are important. When you're mm-hmm. on the road, you're by yourself. Is gotcha. it the worst? Not really. Right. But it's not as nice. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Have you always been like the not drinker? Have you ever drank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in my twenties, I used to have beers with my buddies all the time, and we just sneak alcohol whenever we could. And but in the in the, in the mansion days and things like that, were you at always- the beginning? Okay. Two things happened. Number one, I got drunk one night and I. 
threw up. Oh, well, I guess it's been long enough. I threw up like, and, and I was DJing and I was like, dude, this is not okay. Mm. And then the second time I was working this back room and then it, it, the main room would fill up. And then when some nights, so one of the cycles that I worked there, cause some nights they would just open both rooms, like fuck mm-hmm. all, let's just go. Mm-hmm. Other nights they were like, all right, let's wait until the main room fills to let the overflow go to the back room. Mm-hmm. So it looks like the main room's not going to fill up. I'm going to be all right. I'm there with a buddy. They used mm-hmm. to give us like 10, 12 drink tickets, whatever you mm-hmm. wanted at the time. You know, it was insane. Enough to get that, blasted. That yeah. got cut to like six and like to four and then the two. And then they were mm-hmm. like, I don't know. You got to ask for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, 12 drink tickets. And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's just go. No, this mm-hmm. room's not going to open. Let's have a couple of drinks. Fuck it. You know, I'm a 21 or something. Mm-hmm. And then the room opens. Your what? The room opens. Oh, okay. So I've been drinking. And I, and I didn't like drinking when I was working because I know that I lost my motor skills. Mm-hmm. You know, I lose my concentration. A technical DJ WWF right. champion right. needs to be sober. Right. <laughs> really? Damn. Go, go, con. Because I had I had this epiphany. I mean, I, just, I had this epiphany a long time ago, but I was DJing Monday at Santo. And I'm probably at like DJing, I'm, I'm probably at drinking maybe once a week at my gigs right now. And I, I drank on Monday. And bro, it just, I felt so connected. I, I felt like, you know, like Jordan, like game seven after that mm. gig. And I was like, it felt amazing and i was like the worst thing about djing is that you're probably going to dj better when you're drinking it's it's the worst thing about our job for some people it's that way for some people they work better when they're a little a little uh loose right i i don't right i lose my motor skills and i start making bad decisions my brain don't work as fast and when i'm sober i feel like too much like a calculator I like a robot it. like you know Man, when i'm drinking i, I can kind of just I feel I'm calculator. My job is to make the people dance. Yeah. It just yeah. works out for me. I mean, everyone's different. Right. I've seen, I've seen DJs down bottles of Patron and work. Yeah. And I look and I'm like, dude, I would be dead in a speaker. Yeah. Who's, the, just, who's the best drunk DJ? You've not going there. That's... So anyway, <laughs> um, drinking. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. I, 20s in my twenties, normal drinking. And then, so the room opens up and I'm drunk, not or getting there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck, I'm not doing this again. This is dumb. Yeah. And, and also I had an apartment I had told, and my mom helped me buy that apartment mm-hmm. and I told her I was going to pay for it. I didn't want to jeopardize the apartment that I had and my car and my life and my freedom mm-hmm. over bullshit. In and, my opinion. and there's no Uber at that time, right? So no. you're driving too. I'm driving. Yeah. yeah. So I South beach was like, like drinking on South beach and like SWAT team. Is like out there looking, I don't remember. Yeah. I, but I never, you know, after that I was like, I'm done. Yeah. So I, ne- I didn't drink when I was working and very few times since then. The problem is I was working so often in that back room. Once I left the back room, I was in main room. So now I'm working three or four nights a week. Mm-hmm. I don't, I never drink because mm-hmm. on my off nights, I don't go out or mm-hmm. I would go out once in a while. My buddies would all fuck, you know, drink like fish. And I'd be like, yo, if I, if I have one drink, like I feel nice, like I'm loose. And these guys right. were going, bum, 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 bum. Mm, yeah. I couldn't keep up. So I was like, you know what? No. Right. And that's, that's when I learned how to give a good quality. No, this, yeah. this, for, by the way, if you're watching this. There's two ways to say no. There's the way that you mean yes, and then there's the way that you mean no. Let me explain. If I offer you a drink and you say, no, I shouldn't. No, 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 no. What you're saying is, if you convince me, I'll have it. Mm. No, 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 no. I can't. No, again, again, again. You're telling me that you're going to drink if I push hard enough. here's Here's how you say no. Hey, you want a drink? No. Thank you. 
That's a no. Exactly. You so ladies, when he asks you if you want to come to your his crib at three in the morning, don't no, no, no. Because we that, think you're able to be convinced. That would you, never happen because I have a, a beautiful girlfriend. I'm talking about myself. Oh, you're talking about yourself. Yeah, yeah, I thought you, you meant me. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying in general, you know, like, um, so, so the pandemic hits and now, you know, we're all out of work and I'm sure, you know, you either made it work for you or you didn't. We all learned a bunch of things about ourselves. Um, is there something that you learned um, about yourself? You know, not having a job for a whole year because I realized I, I came out of it where like, damn, I wasn't going hard enough. Like I, I had like regrets when I hit the pandemic hit, which is why right now I'm not I'm working harder than I've ever worked before. I'd and love to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I really held myself accountable. You know, like I took it for granted, like my job. You know, and is there something you know anything that you learned about yourself like? I can't say that there's anything that sticks out enough for me to comment on it. Okay. If we're talking about something in the similar field that you're bringing up, I worked really hard for five or six years in a row. Okay. Like really hard. And this was the first time that I ever had weekends to myself. Mm-hmm. Weekends to go out on a date, even though we had to wear dumbass masks or mm-hmm. go, you know, somewhere yeah. that was like, sorry, you have to wait 30 minutes for a table because we were only seating three people at a time. Mm-hmm. So other than that, it was great. I did whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I guess it was a little bit more of the expanded freedom that we already have mm-hmm. because we work as hard as we want to. Mm-hmm. And that was nice. Mm-hmm. But it, there's nothing that I learned that I was like, oh, wow, epiphany or this is yeah. clicks. No, no. You know what I learned? I learned that, you know, and, and I'm learning it now is like DJing six nights a week, DJing as much as I am right now. It's very easy to fall into a place of being. This is what I realized. The more I'm working, the lonelier I am, the lonelier I feel. And people think, how can that be possible? Because you're out, it's a social setting. That, but like I said, you're busy playing Tetris on level 10 for four hours. You don't really have time to socialize with people. You, it's hard to socialize with people during the day because everybody's at work. They have an opposite schedule than you. So I was in the comfort of wanting to just DJ three, four nights a week and making sure I'm social. But now in my mind, I'm like, yo, fuck this. I'm just trying to DJ and get as many bags as I can. But it's like, damn, I don't have time for to go on dates anymore i'm making the most money i've ever made but it's a paradox because i'm you're tr- i'm trading off my social life in a sense you know yes. and it's crazy because like i have one i have a night off today it's fucking insane and i want to go out mm. the average person will be like why do you don't you're out every night why do you want to go out because i want to be social you know that's just why I'm most of it. my 20s i live that mm-hmm. i would work three four five six nights a week Mm-hmm. There was a time, you know, where I was working probably Tuesday through Sunday with Monday mo- and then Monday the MOC I started. And then so like then I would pull like my Thursday. Mm-hmm. So like I need one night. Um, and from that, I think you learn a lot mm-hmm. and just ride it out. Just see what it see what it's like. That 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 loneliness thing I definitely get. I remember that there was a, there was a <laughs> I bring this up a lot when I talk to people, but there was a time where I was doing these like six day work weeks that at one point I'm in my house on like day four or whatever, day five. And I, I might've like opened my microwave and something spilled. And I said, Oh, that's not good out loud. Mm -hmm. And then I said, I haven't used my voice to speak to anyone in four (laughs) days. I heard my voice and I was like, I haven't heard my voice in four days. Jeez. Cause I was by myself. Yeah. So, but it's, and it's very important to learn how to live by yourself. So that it's a blessing in a sense. If you're really learning yourself, you know, it's important to be able to sit with yourself. But yeah. What I would recommend having, having been uh, part of that life for a while and the life you're living now, what I would tell myself back then, find something that you like to do that is a, a, like a, a social atmosphere. Like start a podcast? 
Yeah, that's cool. But you're <laughs> working. This is therapy for me. This is not oh, working. Okay. I, I do. I have to have a meaningful conversation with people that's because good. that's what, you know. If it works for you, I would yeah. have probably done like yoga. Mm, I would have okay. found a yoga class near my okay. house or somewhere by, you know, like something. Because first of all, you know, being, if I was single, yoga class, it's like, okay, I'm going to put my mat next to her. Mm-hmm. You know, go over there and be like, hey, am I doing this right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now you have, you know, social interaction. You're in a class. You might have something, you know, just to, you're, you're my yoga buddy. I like you. I tried yoga, man. You know? I was so focused on trying to copy what the lady was doing mm-hmm. that I wasn't relaxing well, doing you, you, the yoga. You, you know? Yeah, man. But it's like you pick up a guitar. You can watch somebody play. Be like, oh, God, how do I do this? And it takes time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, you <laughs> it's know, yeah, it takes a minute. But yeah, something that has to do with moving your body and socially because we, you know, being people that stand up all sorry i almost take yeah, the, the stand up upright all night you know are i'm sure that your lower back might not be the best you're a tall dude and the decks are always too low Sur- for you surprisingly enough bro for a couple for thoughts on that surprisingly <laughs> enough i don't have back problems great because i think it's i, I think i attribute that to, to working my back out a lot mm-hmm. and stretching a lot i think stretching as i tweeted this the other day stretching before and after your gigs is so underrated it's very important mm-hmm. to do yeah i stretch during mm-hmm. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah, I yeah. Can grab my you know hamstrings and like go down and touch yeah, the yeah. floor. One hundred percent. That's yeah. very important to do. Um, keeping your your especially your hip flexors loose as well. Like DJs out there, uh, look up hip flexor stretches and stuff because that will definitely help you with your lower back and um things of that nature. Um, so when this when the pandemic hit, you know, I was watching every DJ, seeing what they were getting into, you know, and I saw you uh start a Patreon. And you started, you know, some DJs went to do the live thing. That wasn't really your thing. I, 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 I noticed. I, I can't, man. I can't. Yeah. I, like, I, I love that people are resourceful and they're like, they push it and they made templates that move and tip things, like tip me mm-hmm. here, send it to Venmo and like QR codes and things are changing. bread, and they, 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 some, yeah, of making, some of them are making bread, right? Put a pin in that. Ask me in a minute why I decided for sure that it's not for me. People would do like, all right, today is New York Day, and they'd have the New York skyline behind them with a mm. green screen and play New York hip hop, and the shit would sound great. And I'd look and I'd be like, damn, that's dope. And then I really thought about it, and I've, I'm like, looked around my living room. I'm like, I'm gonna just play in my fucking living room. Yeah. And I was like, yo, I'm because you're coming from the high. This that's what it is. Because at this point, DJing is a drug, and you need the high if you're gonna DJ. You know what I'm saying? Give me that hit. Give yeah. me that crowd reaction. Give me yeah. that. Yes. Give me that hands up break. I mean, that, that, you know? that, that, that $100 bing tip is not giving you that high. Of, no. Yeah. It's yeah. not the it's same. Fact. Yeah. It's not the same. The, the thing that gets me high, go back to my middle school days. Was that good? Did you like that? Yeah, that was approval. good. <sighs> and then you, you ever get approval from, a, from 1,500 people at one time? Talk about the high that that's, that gives you. That's the heroin into the, the, the yeah. main line. That's what that yeah. is. Yeah. So... I looked at it and I was like, I can't do this in my living room and like have fun with it. It's just not going to, it's not going to come out of me to each his own, but just not your thing. hundred percent. So then I started asking around and I was like, yo, you just streamed for 20 hours. Can you tell me like what that paid? Because if you, if it's viable Mm -hmm. on a commercial sense, like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, whatever. We'll set up a studio. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I made like 1500 bucks. I was like, that's less than a hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a pass. Yeah. That's so, why, that's what, you know, there's some people that make way more, but to me, the, the, like if I'm doing something, so Patreon was a great thing. Mm-hmm. I started, you know, two or three different things, like full steam. Plug it by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash my favorite DJ. Mm-hmm. Here's how this came about about two, two to three years ago. I thought to myself, 
let's start further back. Four years ago, it's just about. How do I add another layer to my career? I'm DJing at clubs all over the country. I'm working locally. I, I have, you know, I'm putting pictures on Instagram every other day or something. I was going real hard at everything at once. Mm-hmm. How do I add another layer? So I tried video blogging. Like, oh, after the gig, I would like do a video called after the gig. Mm-hmm. So tonight, this is what happened. And then I like kind of looked at it and I was like, fuck, man, if I'm going to do these videos every night, I have to look presentable. I can't be fucked mm, up. Like yeah. in, in the face, at least. Right. I've just been working for four hours. It's goddamn five in the morning. Yeah. I might have taken a flight to get there. Mm. And I was like, what do I look like? So yeah. I was like, fuck, videos are just not the shit because now I also have to edit and like potentially what. And then I was like, maybe I'll just record a podcast, mm-hmm. grab a microphone. And I was just in my hotel bed and I was like. This is my favorite DJ, the podcast. Here's what happened tonight. So this drunk guy came up to me and like security came over. I love you. First of all, I want to shed light on your podcast, bro. Uh, Make sure you follow it. But it's very, it's a DJ's DJ podcast. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's very, you know, it's, it's technical. And, and I think there's a space for that. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's like a, it's almost like an instruction manual. It's like a blueprint. It's 100% an instruction manual. It's, it's me talking to me at 18 years old. Mm. everything that I missed out on or could have done a lot more efficiently mm. or faster. It's all there. Health finances, how mm. to get work. Mm. And, have you, <laughs> and then you, and, and then you, um, you, you started putting your edits on Patreon. I fucking hate edits conflict. So I like, I, can, I have ADD. Tell me about it in a minute, Okay, but I'll tell you this cause I'm very proud of this idea that I had. Mm-hmm. I had the podcast and then I started Patreon as well. So I'm like, synergy. I'll plug the Patreon on the podcast. I already have hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of DJs that listen to this. Mm-hmm. So I make the Patreon and I'm going to do it. And here's how I formulated it to work. When you go to a magic shop, Mm -hmm. you buy a magic trick that's already made. Mm -hmm. They give you a deck of cards and Mm -hmm. they explain to you how to do the magic trick. Mm -hmm. You grab the deck of cards and they go, all right, shuffle and then ask me to pick one. And then Mm -hmm. you're going to know which one it is because blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So then I do the magic trick and you go, wow, that's a great magic trick. What did I do? I bought a magic trick. I Mm -hmm. didn't come up with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, a couple of some balls, they explain to you how to do it. And Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you do it and then you go, wow, that's amazing. Right. What if I did the same thing with music? Mm -hmm. This is my idea from how to go to, from, uh, we got to stay fly acapella loop Mm -hmm. to Bruno Mars to this third song. This is how I would do it. So, so you're explaining like combos, not edits. Yes. But they're edited songs to do my pre-made magic trick. Understood. So okay. now I'm giving you three songs and I'm showing you a video. Mm. Check it out. So I dropped this and this is how I would get into it. This is how I would get out of it. If you wanted to come in from this song, this is what it would sound like. If you want to go out to that song, this is what it sound like. Mm-hmm. So now what, what am I selling? My creativity. Mm. I'm selling my magic tricks. Gotcha. So somebody that's part of the Patreon is going to get some of those and then also edits. So from the beginning of my career, I would just download music and play it, download music and play it. Then I played with Joe Maz and I looked at his music and 90% of his shit was edited mm-hmm. and his songs would sound different than my songs, but they were right. the same song. Right. So I was like, wait a minute, you took the best part of this song and then you moved it to the end and then you moved this other thing to the beginning. Right. That sounds a whole lot better than right. what I have. But yeah, that makes sense. And then he goes, yeah, because I edit my music how I need it. And then right. I'll, so yeah. the last 10 years, I hear a song, like, for example, re- real, like, contemporary example, just to give you an idea. Uh, the new, uh, I think it's uh, Skrillex. I could be wrong. In J Balvin? Yeah. yeah. The, in, in, the, in, in the, the ghetto, ghetto sample. Yeah. yeah. It's like an old sample from, you know, a house song. Cool. 
what happens? There's like it comes in and then all of a sudden it drops. The, the bass drops out and Jay Volman's talking. Esto sí se jodió, right, right, right. you know. And she's she's like kind of he's rapping about the the neighbor and then mm -hmm. it, and then the drums kick back in. I look at that song and I'm like, that's an unnecessary piece for my fucking set. Right. Because, because it, the energy dips. There's a and lot. It's gone. There's a for the people listening, the, the average people listening. There's a lot of times when you DJ and there, there's pieces and songs that don't need to be there, and they just they they, they or they, they might need to be there because the artist wanted it there, but for us it doesn't work as well. Yeah, for the club, for for a regular listening experience, maybe in the car, it's part of the song's progression, you know. But in the club, we have to optimize for energy, and I don't need a bridge without drums there for 16 bars or, <laughs> or 45 seconds, you know. And right. I say, but my thing is, I hate edits because. I'm an ADD DJ and I, I feel like because of my ADD and, and sitting in the same place for four hours, I tend to mix songs a little too fast anyway. I tend to get in and out a little too quicker maybe than I should, which is why I need to do my edits live. I need things to do. If I'm mm. sitting there and letting the edit do it myself, I need a drink. Like I need things to do. So there's like, a difference I think between an edit that does something and just a short version of a song. Did you agree or no? The thing is that I would do it. I would make the short version of it live. If I'm skipping the bridge, I'm cutting into the piece where I would edit it. You but know, I see that as possible for some instances, but inefficient in others. Because if you t if you have a good part of the song that's at the beginning, or let's say in the middle and at the end, right? So you have to play the beginning and the end of that song. Whereas if you just put it together, you could already be mixing the next song while you're waiting for that to finish. Understood. See what I'm I, saying? I, yeah, I, I would, I would, I would throw the edit and then just give me a two bar in like. Sure. I have I have my cue points set at first bar, fifth bar, seventh bar. So if I got to mix in eight bars, I'll mix in eight. If I got to mix in four bars, I'll mix in four. If I got to mix in two or even one, I'll mix in one. You sure. know so. Yeah, I just feel there's like ways there's ways around it. I mean, yeah. you know how to edit music, so you could potentially cater to your style. That's right. the beautiful part of it. Right. For us, like we, I think we both agree that we don't need, if you're playing house music, we don't need one minute breakdowns. Right. With no drums. Right. I'm not Tiesto. Right. I'm not going to sit there and just do this for a minute. For, right. You know, no one gives and a have shit. have million dollar light systems like handling the, no the theatrics. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. So I need to go from the beginning to the fucking meat and potatoes of the song. Mm -hmm. So that's why I work on those edits. So then what I also added to the Patreon was me making the edits like, all right, I'm going to cut this out. This, this piece doesn't need to go. So now you're watching me work on Ableton. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, I'm like, all right, this edit's done. Mm -hmm. And you get to download the edit. Mm -hmm. So you're getting the magic tricks. You're getting mm -hmm. the edit. You're getting the video. And then sometimes I'll add tips and tricks. Like this is what I do to source my music from Spotify. Mm -hmm. This is what I would do uh, if you ever heard me opening up in Reno, I put my 45, the first 45 minutes of my set in Reno, mm -hmm. the first 45 minutes at my set at Dare Day Club. Mm -hmm. So DJs that are there get, uh, it's almost like <laughs> more magician, uh, analogies. Pulling they, a rabbit out of a hat. Don't tell no, me that. No, no, okay. no. They, they, you know, they get to pull the curtain back mm. and they get to see all of the things that I do. Right. And why I do them. And I explain it all. Right. That's the Patreon. This, we just crossed the hundred patron mark. Congratulations, bro. Yeah, man. So make sure you sign up for his Patreon. You get um, all the behind the scenes action. Uh, bro, I did something different too as well. I had, bro, I had a 2012 MacBook and I had it all the way up until this year. Great. And it ran. It's, it, it was amazing for me. I only did it to DJ. I did all my um, production and every other thing on, on a different laptop. But I did something different. When the pandemic hit and everything started opening up, I got a new laptop. It's time for something new. And I started doing everything on one laptop. Mm. And did you organize? It, so this is what I did. I'm like, okay, now it's time to transfer music, bro. I only took... 
I have 40 gigs of music in my laptop right now. I took my main crates and I was like, yo, there's so, I'm on a, a minimalist thing right now, conflict. Everything in my life has to be minimal. Like I, you know, and it just, I need, it, it optimizes my bandwidth in my brain, you know, and all it's, it's so, bro, I only have 40 gigs in my, in my, in my laptop now. And people are like, yo, you're crazy. And I'm like, bro, it works for me, bro. Like I, I don't have, you know, if I, I have a corporate crate, that's all clean music. You know, 500 records from z z fucking 50 BPM all the way to, you know, 160 BPM. And and then I have, you know, my main hip hop crate and, and you know, and how do you like to organize your crates, by the way? Like we, we I think anyone that says you're crazy, you know, I never there was a time where a lot of DJs were like, I, I have everything on my laptop. I got this album. <laughs> I got that album. I got this. I got that. And I looked at it. I was like, man, I'm working with like storage space here, man. Like, you know, at a time yeah. in my life when I was buying my first computers, I didn't have that much money. So I would get something and I would just keep the music that I'd play. And I was going to say 40 gigs sounds fine. We we all play the same 35 top songs. Yeah. Well, I've been doing you know? it for, for, for four months already, and I haven't had one issue. I'm like, oh, shit, I don't have this song. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I forgot to drag it over. Like, well, if it also, I guess, depends on on the, the venues that you're playing. If you're playing a lot of the similar venues, it's going to work just fine. Right. If you're playing a lot of the same, like, kind of, uh, not mainstream, but, you know, if you're in the lane, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. There's times where I, I have gigs where I think, oh, man, I want to play this song. Mm. I, this fucking left field, and I haven't played it in whenever. Like, what, where was I? I was doing something recently and I was like, I'm going to play over the hills and far away by Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. Just the break. Bum, 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 bum. Mm -hmm. And I hate, I wish I could sing so I could sing the mm -hmm. break. Um, uh, if you do a lot of tune, you don't. Oh know. man, I wish. <laughs> so, uh, I was playing like rock and roll. I love rock and roll or something. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm playing this Led Zeppelin break. And mm -hmm. I played it and then I got out of it. And if I didn't have it, mm -hmm. I wouldn't play it. Mm -hmm. Those so kind of like left field things that all of a sudden, like that's my, my inner music muse that just like, Mm -hmm. whispers the songs in, in, in mm -hmm. my brain and I'm like, or my soul. And I'm like, yes, I'm mm -hmm. going to play it. <laughs> but I have a theory that, and I was talking to um, some club owners about this as well. I have a feeling that I'm going to be able to DJ or we're going to be able to DJ later than we think in our lives because we talked about there and even club owners are looking. There's no young DJs. There are, I, but we haven't found it. They're looking, they're literally <laughs> like, I want to find a DJ between 20 and 24. Like where's the young crop of DJs. And these new kids are not aspiring to be DJs anymore. Mm. It's, it's interesting. I don't know if it's because the streaming climate, I don't know if it's, they have no, I think their attention might be pulled away. Right. You mm -hmm. know how you have those those like government government metrics where it's like by this year we're going to be deficient in nurses by twenty five percent because they're tracking how many people need nurses and how many nurses there are and in school right and how many nurses are retiring you know these drop off and then the new ones right and then they calculate well because we only have fifteen percent of the school population becoming new nurses but we're going to need really thirty five percent of them we're going to have a shortage of ten percent by this year we can't do that with DJs because no one gives a fuck and no one tracks us right but. Yeah. You and the owners talked about it. So I think maybe the distractions that exist in the world now, you know, the social media thing, like it used to be, you could do a couple of things that were cool, mm -hmm. just a couple. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a lot. Mm -hmm. Skateboarding, mm -hmm. graffiti, mm -hmm. and a lot of the hip hop shit, breakdancing, mm -hmm. DJing, emceeing. Mm -hmm. What else was cool in the nineties to do? Um, BMXing, something mm -hmm. to do with like, you know, like sports. Mm -hmm. What else? Damn, bro. I think you hit it all. Uh, Something, maybe karate. People might be like, Ugh, karate, that's damn, so 80s. I don't even think fighting was cool It wasn't, in the right? 90s. No. Yeah. So what else is there to do that's cool? Not profitable, 
but cool. Because you could be like, oh, I'm learning how to code. And everyone in the 90s would have laughed at you. And now that guy owns a fucking mega yacht, right? Right. But <laughs> at right. the moment, was it cool? I think these kids are optimizing for social media. So DJing not necessarily is going to get you the crazy likes and the crazy, but it, it could give you a career. It can make you a lot of money. But now, I don't think Now, if I ask you what's cool today, mm-hmm. how many answers you got? Yeah. Everything I mentioned plus. Whatever gets, whatever gets views is cool. That's what's cool. Plus everything else. Yeah. The whole world. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Jumping what's, out of pool, jumping off your roof into pools if you get views is cool. Now I have my kitty blog and now I have kittens every every week. Look at my right. new kitten. This is what's cool for me. Right. And there's that, you know, a million and one things is possible because the internet. So maybe, and I never really thought about it that way, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's just, you know, we'll do it for, or maybe it's just a... The only thing that'll end it, I think, will, is technology. Like, if, if, if clubs start to like to rather have jukeboxes and, and karaoke machines and shit, then we're scarred. But like for the most part, we'll run it until the robots take over. Is what you're saying? Exactly. I'm well, not. I'm not opposed. Yeah, it's good money. Yeah, but I, I and like I said, I have my plan B. I'm, I'm going. I, I just did two college courses. I'm going back mm-hmm. because if I te- if I end up in the next five six years, if I end up aging badly. Mm-hmm. You know, you see somebody after a couple of years, like, damn, you got old. Mm-hmm. If I fall under that category, then I want to be able to pull the plug on myself. Right. Not have the people take me behind the barn and fucking cap. You know? Right. Like, I don't want to be taken out by the thing that I loved. I'd rather be like, Come thing that I loved, come. it's time for us to bow respectfully. Yeah. That makes sense. And for me, I mean, I'm already there, bro, to where I hate the music I'm playing. Oh. Like, you know, but I, I, I'm at the point where I'm <laughs> pretending now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, with exceptions, which is why... I actually love the Spanish, like learning, like, bro, investing in the, I hated hip hop and the climate that I was in that, bro, I was just like, I'm going to completely change my, my environment and go straight Spanish. And I really liked it because I was learning and I got addicted to it. And now, bro, it's like, I'm in two worlds. Like Sundays, I do a, a brunch in Doral from noon until four. I'm playing all Spanish music. And then three hours later, I go to South Beach and play all hip hop for like golds and dreads. And like, you know what I'm saying? And, and you know, I think versatility is, is, but you, you might not like the music. Versatility is very important. hundred percent, but you might not like the music, but you like the reaction the music gets you right. 100%. So then fucking focus on that. I know. I, Look, gotta, man, I, gotta I didn't stop like playing Bobby Schmurter because it gives I me a reaction every time. But I didn't I like, like playing certain records either. My, one of my buddies, my, my, one of these mentor DJs of mine, who's a really good friend of mine, Graham Funky also told me one time, he's like, Hey, you're a good DJ. Or he, he'd call me a good jock. You're a good jock. Then he was old school. Yeah, he's old school. <laughs> How he was one of the first traveling guys. How do you play these records specifically as a pop artist and like not die on the inside? And I go, Graham, if I'm okay with what I play, then I'm going to be okay on the inside. Yeah. I don't have to have a feeling about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't like that record, but if I have a negative feeling, then it's it might translate. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to do what I have to do. Focus on the reaction. It's like it worked. I'm going to focus on that. Not the, not the sound, but the people. They like it. Cool. I literally. And then focus on the ones I do like. Yeah. I, bro, I, but I'll even take it, I guess me coming from radio, like I, I brick, bro, I'll get on the mic and I'll say, before I had to play Old Town Road, I'll say, I fucking hate this song, but I got to play it and I'll play it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And people kind of identify with it. Like, you know, like, listen, it so, doesn't get any worse than ride a, save a horse, ride a cowboy. That's the song, right? Yeah. Save well, a, Old Town Road was, was the, the recent. No, 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 I know. I know. But what I'm saying is save a horse, ride a cowboy. Yeah, that's the country from song. Yeah, yeah, from, oh, from, yeah, that I brought up. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Vegas. Oh, oh, okay. When I'm playing Future, and they're like, "Save a horse, ride a cowboy." Yeah, doesn't get worse than that. 
Yeah. I, I can't think of any combination in the world where it's like you're playing hip hop and you, you're like in future. So like, where, where would you go next? Maybe like some Drake, maybe a throwback like jock to like get people like singing and dancing. No country. Yeah. 105 BPM to 84. When someone can come in and just disrupt your timing. Well, no, no, no. It... Yeah. 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 But what I'm saying is in that moment, if I didn't die mm-hmm. on the inside, which mm-hmm. I didn't, I was like, how do I make this work? I kind of fucking, you know, you know, I don't remember what I did, but mm-hmm. I just remember that piece. Then everyone's going to be okay. If you're playing one song, you don't like it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 You're going to live. Yeah. It's not future to country. Yeah. It's just, and then the climate on South beach, man, I, I you know, I had to turn down, you know, the next three Fridays at a club I really wanted to work at, but they just weren't paying the rate that made sense for me. You know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, man, like the climate on South beach now is just bottle parades come first before the timing of the music. So you'll play a hit for 13 seconds and you know, you just play one of your spades and now it's like, no, you got to cut this off right now. Play this right now for the bottle parade. Now I just wasted one of my spades. Did you though? Or can't you just like pull it up? What do you mean? Like bring it back. Play it again. And, and what? Go go from Star Wars and then go back into the song I played. Yeah, I, I, did, I did this for years. I did I it for years, could. and it happened multiple times. It's just a matter of maximizing those important tracks, you know. And you and you you talk on the microphone. Just be fucking creative with it. Yeah. All right. You know what's up? You keep popping those bottles in the middle of this hottest song. Yeah. Like, let me see if you do it again. I'm gonna play one more yeah. time. If more bottles come out, I'm gonna stop it and play one more time. That's and you true. Play it and you just wait. And That's if, true. if another, if they, even if they tell you not to stop it. Right. And another bottle comes out. You stop it. You go, what? Another bottle? We're pulling it up again. Let's see how many bottles we can get out. Right. Make a moment out of it. Right. That's and then true. You, ma- you stretch that one song. Yeah. You know, it does seven minutes in. That's true. Just the disregard for timing by like management and clubs. Make just it fun so, for yourself. I did. Um, It was the first time I DJed in 15 years where it was the first club I ever DJed at on South Beach. I'll, fuck, I'll tell you. It was Jones. The first time I, they didn't have a bar. They took out the bar. So all the alcohol was coming from a door in a bottle. There was no that G8. Owner, that owner is the guy that made me, by the way. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. But I wonder where that concept came from. Like, did, are they doing that in Vegas now? Is Jones one of the first places well, to do that? And let's just bring, put all the couches we can. Like, it I was interesting that, to me. There, there might be, there might be uh, limits to how many people they can sit or how many people they, they look. If I look at it and, and knowing who the owner is, mm-hmm. it might be an algorithm that he kind of looked at. He's like, all right, how much are we making at the bar? X. How much are we making on bottles? X. That means that we have to have at least this many people in the club to make that bar profitable. Mm-hmm. Because we need, let's say, 35 people at that bar per hour to buy one drink for that bar to do what the tables do. Mm-hmm. But because we're capped at, let's say, 65 people in the club or whatever, 100 people, whatever, that means that our bar traffic is not the 35 per hour. Mm-hmm. However, if we put the tables in and now we force people at the door to say, hey, we don't have a bar, so you have to buy a table before we let you in. Mm. So now you're guaranteeing the club a profit. Instead of, yeah, just come in and have a drink and someone buys a $120 drink, now you're telling them at the door, it's $200 per person, but you're getting a bottle. Mm. See, that's interesting. Yeah, because when you allow GA in, you don't know if they're going to buy one drink or 20 drinks. And you don't. It's, it's a- There's a way of going around that, which when you're a very popular club, you can tell them, we'll let you in, but you have to buy a bar tab. Mm-hmm. Meaning you have to give us $200 now or $500. Mm-hmm. We don't care if you drink it or not. But you have that much money open to you at the bar. Right. The fuck was that? Oh. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no, okay. So, 
out the, the things you like to do um outside conflict you know i noticed that you're into um by the way i'm still going to do that by the way you're training you're you're helping people tactically train oh, for no, no, their no 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 no, no. Oh, it's then. way 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 more basic don't <laughs> Wait, what, what i have imposter syndrome when it comes to this stuff so just i, I, I try to say tactical it. train yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. not the right word i feel like you're like on some call of duty it's shit. Just, it's tactical right like, it's just a gun safety course i saw a chick i was one of the instagram chicks i'm like damn she's with conflict and she's there like taking pictures it's shit, a gun safety course man so during pandemic when i sat on my hands for six months and i was like okay i'm bleeding money and i'm not making any mm -hmm. what's the second thing that i like to do most since i can't go into nightclubs and play music and i don't want to stream mm -hmm. and the patreon was just you know kind of starting to mm -hmm. now i thought okay the second best thing that i like is martial arts boxing mm -hmm. fighting kickboxing mm -hmm. jujitsu judo knife fighting and mm -hmm. shooting mm-hmm so I went and I got certified. I took a class to be able to teach a gun safety course. Did you have your concealed before then? 100%. And, and if so. Since I was 22 years old. And you always traveled with it to your gigs? Everywhere. Oh. It's no, 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 no. So there, look, there's a reciprocity map, which means that the state of Florida issues you a concealed weapons permit and you, it, you can take it into other states as long as they honor that permit. Some states do not honor the permit. Well, okay. I, I was more referring to locally, like driving to your gigs. So there's a couple things. Um, some states, so I can't, I, I could travel with it. If, if the state had reciprocity, I could, but now you're adding an hour to an hour and a half of earlier airport check-in. I fuck all that. Because you have to go, you got to declare your firearm. You have to sign that it's unloaded. They have to put it under the plane. Hmm. So that takes time and you have to see an agent. The way that I efficiently would travel is I had my boarding pass on my phone. I showed up 45 minutes before the flight was taking off, yeah, yeah. scan my phone, go straight, sit on my chair and go to sleep. Yeah. Right. So I could, I have to a lot of places. Yes. But then it's like, all right, so now I, I'm carrying concealed in the state and now I get to the hotel room. I got to lock it up. Mm -hmm. I got to go to my gig. Is the hotel a yeah, good hotel? Yeah, it doesn't make sense out of town. Is it a bad hotel? You know, I'm not really doing much in these in these, these cities. I wasn't going out being a tourist and right. like, you know, flashing right. like I'm a tourist in a lot of places. But driving to Mokai every so, Monday. You so know, you have if, if I was going, if I'm going anywhere, it doesn't matter if I'm going to a nightclub or uh, the supermarket or the post office or a school or there's, I've mentioned these specifically because each one of these carries a different weight. Mm -hmm. There are certain laws in the state of Florida, but I'm not an attorney and this is not legal advice for anyone. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling anyone what to do. When I go to the grocery store, I'm allowed and everyone is allowed to carry if you have a concealed weapons permit. Mm -hmm. When you go to the post office, no one is allowed to carry unless you have a special, you know, if you're a uh, uh, federal license mm -hmm. or you are a police officer or something like that, because it's a federal building. Mm -hmm. Federal buildings are a no-no. Mm -hmm. So, and if you go to a school, depends what kind of school. Universities sometimes sometimes are like we don't really want you to, but if it's in your car, we can't stop you. Mm -hmm. Some places, so other universities are like mm -mm, no matter what. But then mm -hmm. you have the county ordinance that that allows it mm -hmm. in some places. Uh, if it's a, a younger school, like high school or elementary school, middle school, you're not allowed to have any firearms inside, no matter what. Mm -hmm. So, what about nightclubs, though? Nightclubs. The the general rule of thumb. I'm not an attorney. This is not legal advice. Please do, the, <laughs> do your own research. Do your googles. If, if the establishment sell, sells 51 percent, uh, or if the establishment makes 51 percent of its profit from alcohol sales, it's considered a bar. Mm -hmm. Bars are no-go for concealed weapons. Can you drive with it and leave it in your car? If you wanted to, yes. Is it good operational standards to do that? No. 
because cars get broken into. And the last thing you want, if you're a law-abiding gun owner, is to have to look a police officer in the face and go, I left it under my seat and they smashed my window. Because that cop might, you know, at the end of the night, be faced with your fucking gun from some dickhead that broke into your car. Right. You see what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, what if you need your gun for your commute? Then there's like, a way to do it. You have to properly and efficiently lock it up in your car. Oh, okay. Yeah. Lock boxes. There's but special, then, but then there's special car def- safes. I think that defeats the point, right? Not entirely. Because if you, if you wanted to do that, this is not advice. If I wanted to carry my gun wherever I was going, let's say I'm going to the grocery store to buy some ice cream. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to take it with me in the grocery store. And I want to leave it in my car, which you could mm-hmm. bring it in if you wanted to or not. If I had wanted to leave it in my car, I would have a center console lockbox or mm-hmm. I would have a lockbox maybe built into the glove box. But ride with it on your lap? Ride with it on your person. Okay. Yeah. If you have a concealed weapons permit, you, you have to efficiently know how to carry mm-hmm. on yourself. Because what's the purpose of if I have, you know, if the problem arises and my gun is over there, mm-hmm. I got to reach all the way over there. Hold on a second, bad guy. Yeah. That's, is, that's not going to work. Is it illegal to, uh, to not have your concealed and just have a gun and keep it in your house? So I'm not an attorney and this is not legal advice, but yeah, in the state of Florida, what? This is a law. Like, <laughs> no, in the state of Florida, you, as, as far as I understand, you can have your gun in your car without your, without a concealed weapons permit, just not on you. Okay. And it has to be securely encased. Okay. But that's okay. So that defeats the purpose in my mind. It, it, not entirely. Cause what does that mean to you? Securely encased. That if someone comes up to me and I'm in Winwood and someone comes up to me to my window and I have to hold on bad, like you said, hold on bad guy. Let me unlock my case real quick. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't say you had to lock it. I said securely encased. Okay. So center council, boom, three seconds. That could you be. teach that move? I don't. Okay. I, you basic don't teach gun, the basic gun safety during the pandemic when I wasn't a full-time DJ. Okay. Uh, so there's, um, there's people that will look at that and say, what is securely encased me? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Does it mean in your glove box? Is that okay? Does it mean in your center console? Is that securely encased? I would right? say I would say something in my mind intuitively. I would say something that can be closed that prevents it from being out of your vision. Something, sure, maybe. You know, yeah. I, I don't know because I have my concealed weapons permit, so I don't have to deal with that. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah. and it's fairly easy in the state of Florida to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've actually been thinking about doubling down because I want to do more. I really enjoy going out to the gun range and shooting around. And like mm-hmm. when, I, when I have students that come out, I do the gun safety course. Mm-hmm. They take that certificate. They get their concealed weapons permit with it. You know, you got to fill out forms and fingerprints. What kind of gun do you own? You own a Draco? Um, I'm joking. No, no, no. So <laughs> like rapper guns? I wouldn't, I wouldn't disclose that kind of stuff. So I'd rather just not divulge certain information. Like, you know, that would keep me... Are you vaccinated? Is that too much? Is that so? Crazy? In regards to COVID, no. You <laughs> was know, that a good segue? I'm working on my segues. That was terrible. Think, Damn. But I was floundering and I was I tried to it. use the tone to like make up for the... <laughs> no, there's just certain things like, you know, you asked me before the podcast, you're like, yeah. what do you what do you not want to talk about? And I told you specifically. Right. So it's like that. this other kind of thing is like not the thing that, you know, you I, I, I enjoy martial arts. I enjoy going and there's a thing at the UFC gym that they have. It's called a fight camp on Saturdays and it's two hours, one hours of dr- one hour of drilling, one hour of sparring. So one hour you kind of like work with a partner and you work on drills and then one hour you just spar. Mm-hmm. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. I, I enjoy going to the gym and sometimes I'll push weight and sometimes I hit the back. I 
from the moment I encountered martial arts, it's been a passion of mine. I fucking mm-hmm. love it. All of it. Mm-hmm. Like encompassing. Like I've, I've done so much. I've done boxing. I started with judo. Then I did Muay Thai. Then I did boxing. Then I did Eskrima, mm-hmm. which is like fighting with like sticks. Mm-hmm. Then I did knife fighting. Then, you know, the gun throughout the whole thing. I was wor- working and learning how to do that. And jujitsu as well. So like, I love all of it. It's all fantastic to me. It's, it's, it's like... I don't know, not an infatuation with violence. You know what it is? I, I kind of came to this conclusion the other day. I don't like violence. I do not like violence. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a, in, a, in a household that like was domestic abuse was prevalent. Mm-hmm. And I did not like that. Mm-hmm. But I was too young to help. Mm-hmm. When I got old enough. That's interesting that you didn't adapt that. Because most people would adapt that. They're like You mean adopt the violence? Yeah. And be, yeah, be yeah, that be, person? Be that, yeah. No, I'm glad that I didn't. Right. But I, but in a way, it, it's still with me. It's still traumatic because growing up in that environment, being too small to do anything, mm-hmm. when I was old enough to do something, I will never allow an injustice in inside of my inside of my Circle. anywhere that I can reach, see, or touch mm-hmm. happen because I can do something about it now. Mm-hmm. And I dislike violence and I don't like being violent. And I don't, you know, whenever someone's not doing something that they're not supposed to, I would ask them politely to not do it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I found this the other day, which was very ironic, funny, and at the same time, kind of scary. The best way to prevent violence is to be so violent that you extinguish the violence that comes to you. Right. I the mean, best way fear to stilling stop, fear. The best way to stop violence is mm-hmm. to extinguish the violence coming to you with a greater amount of violence. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, so training yourself in war, that's with anything, (laughs) training yourself to, to that level, you know, is something that I think about. It's like, I'm a peaceful person and I don't want any problems Mm -hmm. ever. Have you ever had to use it? No, just at the gun range. Dude, I I never had to do, I felt once in fifth grade. You never had like a DJ come up behind you and like get crazy with you? Like no No one ever, man. First of all, we're, we're big guys. Yeah. So I feel like, first of all, you're, you're putting out this, um, this nonverbal communication to the world yeah immediately it's like yeah that's a big dude yeah size power right yeah no man i've never had to even come close like the closest i come to is sparring there was one time on south beach with some some guy was being a dick saying a bunch of shit as i was walking by with a buddy of mine and i just kept talking to my buddy yeah you know this this is like four years ago five years ago so like at this point i i weigh 195 pounds Mm -hmm. And he keeps talking shit and I, and I look at him and I'm just like, you know, I'm not going to engage mm-hmm. and just keep talking to my buddy. Who knows what he was calling me? You know, mm-hmm. a bunch of shit, mm-hmm. racist stuff potentially. And, and, um, he kept walking and then he stops and like, I caught him out of the corner and I stopped and then he starts walking towards us. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Cause that's a, like, if you're, if you're going to talk shit and keep going, that's cool, man. But like right. when you start closing the distance on me, that means right. that you have proximity to engagement and right. I'm not about that life. Right. I'm not going to let you get the jump on me. Right. So now I turn around and I start walking backwards and he keeps talking shit. And then about the third step that I'm walking backwards, I literally just go, be careful. <clears throat> and I, and I planted my back foot and I like gave it a good snug turn because I knew that there was either a push kick or, or a right hand, a right cross. I was going to say, what was the move? Push kick or right or right cross, depending on how, how I wanted this guy to go down. Mm-hmm. And so he, I looked at him right now and I said, be careful. And I planted my foot and I just, I remember the moment because I was like, I guess this is it. Right. So I plant my foot and I turn it 
just enough to have leverage so I could push off that foot depending on what I wanted to do and what kind of action he would take. If he runs, it's a punch. Mm -hmm. If he stays, it's a kick. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and I said, be careful. And he looked at me and I, our souls met in that mm -hmm. moment and he started walking backwards mm -hmm. and he left. Mm -hmm. Damn, I think I need to get like a little stance to look dangerous <laughs> like that. Hey, be careful, bro. I didn't mean it like, hey, be careful. I just, right, right. it's the only thing that came out. Right. Because I was genuinely concerned for this guy because I was going to, you know, yeah. not, not have his night end well. Yeah. Or maybe my night would not have ended well. Right. But who knows? Violence sucks. Don't be violent. Yeah. No one. Yeah. So what are the what are the type of outside of DJing? What type of um, investments are you into? Any any are you into stock? So, are you a crypto? Are you a crypto guy? Like what is? What it's, it's kind of hot in here. By yeah, the way, no, I'm, it, I'm sweating all over. We got we got 13 minutes on the memory card, but I'm, let me I'm, let me I'm put a, the. I'm eight. a big dude. Uh, investments. So here's what I anyone that's out there listening. I wish that I earlier in my life I would have I would have heeded this advice. And it's very very simple. Compound interest is the the greatest force in the universe, as said by Einstein. Compound Damn, interest. We're gonna need more than thirteen minutes. Man. No, this you're not. It's okay. very simple. Okay. Don't fuck around with a bunch of different things. Like the stock market right now is flying. Mm -hmm. Real estate is flying. There's a bunch of things. It's like, oh, let's hop into that bubble. Let's hop into this bubble. Cool. It's been simple and it's always been the same. If you look at a trend line of the stock market of the United States from 1868 to today, it's just one continuous upward motion. Now, granted, you look at small periods and there might be dips, mm -hmm. 2008 mm -hmm. and then just recently for COVID, mm -hmm. but the time in the market is time in the market. Mm -hmm. This is real simple. If you're 20 years old and you put $100 inside of an index fund every week, you're going to have a million dollars by the time you retire. Mm -hmm. That's how compound interest works because you do like 8% on your money mm -hmm. compounding for what would that be? 45 years. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a million dollars at a hundred dollars a week. That's mm -hmm. it. You want to, I'm not a, you know, an investment advisor and I don't, don't do what I'm telling you, but the See, real I, simple way to do it, a hundred dollars a week saying from 1860. Okay. We got a, a hundred years, uh, you know, a little more, more than a hundred years. 150. Right. It's, it's a pretty short time. Sure. You but know, if the trend for 150 years is upward, what do you think it's going to be for the next hundred we can't say we can't, but don't you want to bet on the pre right, you know right, the previous right. 150? Right. If I tell you this one horse has won 150 years in a row, and that horse is the United States stock market right. versus all the other countries, which one would you bet on right. on the next race? Yeah, that's true. But I, I'm, I'm I wish I was optimistic about the future. <laughs> sure, and I'm not. That's and, cool. And 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 I don't know what society is going to look like 20 years from now. I'm actually pretty scared. Oh, and what um, are you scared of? Are you did, a prepper? Just things, things are, you know, do we, do we take this word? Do we go AI with this? Do we go like, you know, just what society stands for? Do we go with what the internet's going to turn people's mind into as far as what we see already with misinformation and division? That's and, always happened and, though. Actually, I heard a podcast today. They were talking about it and the, the, the first books that got printed apparently where does my hair look? Okay. Yeah. You're good. Uh, the first books that got printed were not like, uh, books on, information or encyclopedias or mm -hmm. medicine the first books that were printed in that were popular were how to spot a witch and kill her mm -hmm. people were consuming garbage mm -hmm. the first printed books that were like went out in mass mm -hmm. that's why you got a bunch of witch burnings and stuff right. that happened in this country so whenever there's a new medium apparently there's a bunch of bullshit that comes through until we filter out all the all the crap right and then we're like oh we can use books for like knowledge right but the tough part is right now is that everyone thinks they're right and everyone has an equal voice in it. So now it's like, you know, you got big tech, you know, can control. If you the turn off your phone, do you hear them? Yeah, that's true. If you turn off your phone, you wouldn't even know COVID existed unless you went to like the grocery well, store. Well, you go on and start seeing people in masks. You're right. like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. You, you would catch on pretty right. quickly. I have a metric 
that pe- some people don't like it. It's like, oh, it's way too simple. It's way too basic. This is how I live. Mm-hmm. I look outside my window. Mm-hmm. I look down my street. I look down the other way. I don't see fires. I don't see people dying. I don't see protests. I don't see smoke. I don't see, I don't see anything bad. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. What, what matters to me is my family and my neighbors. Right. If everyone feels that way, if everyone takes care of it that way, Every neighborhood in America will be protected, right? Right. You worry about your family and your neighbors. Right. If my neighbor needs something, how can I help you? Right. Because when I need help, I'm going to go to you. Right. I'm not going to go 30 streets over. Right. I'm going to go to the person next to me. But people are more concerned with their virtual neighbors now, which is the issue. That's cool. Yeah. Like I have a theory. Like the people that tend to be more over-concerned with COVID, and you know, this is all relative to where your threshold is on what being over-concerned with COVID is, but I have a theory that the people that live in like a bubble, like a, like a routine bubble where they don't Me, I'm out all the time and I'm, I'm meeting multiple people every single night and I'm talking to multiple people every single night. So I, u- I use them as my sample size of what's going on. That's how I assess the situation around okay. me, you know, but a lot of people who are super, you know, scared and I feel like they, they don't have that, um, that real life sample size or it's very minimal, you know, and, and, and they're using the news statistics and things of that nature. I like to use tangible in front of me statistics and, and, and the way I live my life. You know, if, if I have four friends that just got COVID, okay, now it's on my radar, but things that aren't on my radar, I tend to just, you know, not be overly concerned with. Sure. That's the year, but you're looking at your environment. You're basing a lot of your reality of what's going on in your immediate proximity, which is cool. Right. I mean, that's, I think that's an okay thing to do. And why worry about the people that don't do that? It's like, sorry, if, yeah. if you're not going to help, this is one thing, you know, I think the internet would be a better place. You're not going to help or change someone's mind that doesn't ask for help. Yeah. Like I have a buddy of mine who's like, yo, this is what's happening. Like, you know, this is going to go on and this vaccine means this and people are going to die and heavy on that side. Yeah. And I'm like, man, we're really far apart on what we believe and what our perceptions yeah. are. So like you're, you're my friend. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm not going to defriend you. Right. I'm going to tell you when you're saying things that I dislike or disagree with right but we're still friends man yeah but you're not going to convince me either right because there's a deep valley between it, your it, perception and my perception it comes it's in the, it's religion and politics you can't really change someone's beliefs you 100%. know what i'm saying it's connected to their values and it's just you know there's you're wasting your time you know even when you put numbers in front of people's face which Something, is which yes. gets scary because now you can put science and proven facts in front of people's face yeah, and the difficult part is man that like a, a lot of the the stuff that we see and we hear about now it's like i understand that governments need to do certain things to exist it's how it's mm-hmm. always been mm-hmm. it's even before we had countries you know mm-hmm. like kings would have to do shit to keep things going like mm-hmm. when you have a massive amount of people there's certain actions that some people have to take to potentially be like this might be for the best of it i don't know let's figure this the fuck out mm-hmm. so you, you start hearing about things that the government has done places where it's fucked up mm-hmm things that it's lied about Mm -hmm. promises that politicians didn't keep Mm -hmm. and you start aggregating that. And then you get somebody that looks at all that. And then the government says something like you're lying again. Right. Trust issues. So it's trust issues. So now, and then I don't fault those people, but I look at it and I'm like, man, it's kind of tough. Like some of the videos that you're sending me are from weird ass websites that have nothing to do with anything that I've ever seen before. Right. And, and, and all those, you know, issues of, of, of lies and, and mistrust, People tend to come up with, you know, there's a bigger picture happening yeah. here. You know what I'm saying? People automatic, and it's I guess there's comfort in that, and there's closure, and it, it, it brings people peace. I think because a lot of things, mm. life is not going to always give you closure. You got to be mm. comfortable with not knowing. You know what I'm saying? And 
And a lot of people can't just be comfortable. They got to tell themselves a story that, that'll bring their mind peace. You know what I'm saying? So when you get thrown all this misinformation and, 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 and lies, you know, you being scarred will, will tend to, you'll start to tell yourself a story like, oh, this is not adding up. They, you start to say they, and, and then I'm, I'm the type to be like, who's they bro. You know, like you're giving they too much credit. Like, is there, you know, does they have group chats and they're sending emails and, 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 and they care that much about the four generations in the future about depopulating the whatever story, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, uh, yeah, it could be true, you know, but I don't think people are really, people just want to live their lives, man. I don't think there's a, a secret society getting together and we're going to use the 5G top, like all this, like, you know what I mean? Like just all the conspiracy, you know, like I'm not in, you know what I mean? Like. I don't know, man. I do a good Alex Jones impression. Um, <laughs> I think you're right. And I think w as long as we can have this conversation, there's hope. Right. Because no what, what you, what you, what you just mentioned was the beginning of religion. Right. Right. When it doesn't rain or religion or beliefs, belief mm -hmm. systems. Right. Right. When it doesn't rain and someone goes, well, if we do this stance by the fire, it'll rain. And then you do it and then it rains. Coincidence, obviously. Right. Now we look at it as coincidence, but if you're in that moment, you're like, we got to do a rain dance. Right. Now it's the belief system. Right. Now you tell that farmer, it's, you're a fucking idiot. That's not how you do it. Rain is precipitation that goes up when it's warm and then the clouds form. He goes, blasphemy. It's the rain dance. I've seen it. I've mm. done it. Nothing. We, as humans, like to make things easy to understand because that's right. when we feel comfortable in our little fucking meat skins. I don't, you know, it's, it's difficult. When, 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 when the vaccine came out, when the polio came out, every... Everybody took the vaccine because it was, it was the thing to do. But when you have everything so fragmented and everyone has a different opinion and a different belief, it's impossible for this country to get on the same page, for humanity to get on the same page. Well, so, we, we have been kind of divided for a while, specifically through politics. But maybe maybe the narrative, you know, having a platform, this seems really utopian and silly, but just fucking roll with me for a second. Yeah. Maybe the narrative needs to be switched from what do you believe to what do you like to do? Do you like pancakes? Do you mm -hmm. like fruit? Mm -hmm. What do you like to do on Sundays when you have free time? We focus on our commonalities. Bingo. Not our way. Why the fuck are we focusing yeah. on what you believe if it's different than me? Yeah. Like you have love for your kids if you are a, a parent. Right. Let's talk about that. Yeah. You want to vote red, I'll vote blue. Or you vote blue, I'll vote red. Cool, man. But whatever. How are your kids? Yeah. Are, you, are you okay? Well, yeah. no. You know, Jimmy's XYZ uh, and this. Other. Well, let me see if I can humanity right 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 commonality yeah, yeah. that's a great martial arts you like this you are uh, you know, bringing it up why yeah. do we have to you know why because it, it's just it um it sparks our human ah yeah ah, i want to be right i yeah. had a talk with my cousin he's like dude how are you so even keel it's like i don't really care if i'm right or wrong if i'm having a conversation yeah. with someone i don't have to prove a point he's like how do you do that i'm like i have no idea i just don't care like if you want to you know, this buddy of mine, it's like mm -hmm. constantly sending me videos and I'm like, bro, I'll tell you, I don't believe in any of the shit you're sending mm -hmm. me. This is cool, man. I'm not opening these videos because I'm not going to waste an hour and a half of my time with someone, you know, talking shit about how the world's going to end in 13 months. Right. But I, yeah. you're, still, you're still my friend, but send me stuff about this other stuff. Yeah. I like when you do that. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I said this analogy the other day and it was like, you know, and, and I use it toward, you know, my mental health and just because, you know, we all get crazy thoughts. And I said this the other day, like I use thoughts as, you know, I look at them like leaves in a river and, you know, there's going to be a bunch of crazy leaves in the river. There's going to be me thinking, you know, positive thoughts. There's going to be me thinking fearful thoughts. There's going to be me thinking, you know, all type of emotions within that river of, of, of thoughts. And. I'm just going to 
pick out the thoughts out of the river that are productive and healthy for me. And I'm going to mm. decide if I'm going to put them in my pocket or I'll put them back in the river and let them go. But I don't have time to, 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 to entertain all these different, you know, I'm just going to let them flow, bro. Because, and I'm going to just pick something that's going to be best for my health. Cause I can't even entertain something that's not best for my health. I like yeah. that idea. That's great. It's good yeah. advice. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, <laughs> this is interesting. So pre pandemic, my ideology toward requests, right? It was, I had like integrity. I guess it came from radio. Like I, I won't accept money for requests, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and that and, came and, from radio. Yeah, yeah, that's funny, right? <laughs> I mean, like, 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 you know, what it's supposed to be, you uh -huh. know, what it stands for. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, but, <laughs> bro, I, I, I would barely take money for requests. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, if I wanted to play a song, I would. If I didn't, bro, if something happened in the DJ culture because I talked to, to a lot of DJs after the pandemic, and it's like money like like i'm making a sign i'm making a qr code and if you want to scan the qr code and tell me that we have request like I've just, i wasn't like this pre-pandemic conflict I just it's like clear my my notifications just to show you hold yeah. on keep keep going yeah it's like how i need money i need money for this i need money for this and i was never like yeah <laughs> that's your background yes it's my lock screen <laughs> You know why? Show that to the camera, bro. I don't know if you can, if you're gonna see it. Yeah, you can definitely. We only see speak a hundred dollar bills over here. You know why? Because people hold up the phone when they talk to you in the club. They can't speak to you, so they show you the song. Ooh. So now when they show me the song, I go, <laughs> and I show them my phone. And then after that, if they want to have continue to have the conversation, we can definitely talk about it. Bro, it's crazy. I feel like my tips. I've never made tips like this in my life since I. I'm like, why didn't I have this approach before the pandemic? That's so scary. There's a lot of liquidity in the system. Yeah, that's why it's changed. People have stimulus. They got money. It's, it's you know PPP loans. And yeah, that's why. But nothing is free anymore. Like it's like, bro. No, because you're. I've been making like hundred dollars a, a extra a gig in cash and tips, bro. That's devalued. You want, yeah, and then I do the thing where I'll do a, a shout out, and, and then I'll do it on purpose because then more people come up and I'll be like. Five dollars. I'm maybe not a shout out. It depends if I'm in a bad mood, but like, you know, I'll do a request. You know, shout out to do. You want to hear this song? Boom! That'll open the floodgates to people wanting oh, to get requests. Fuck all! That's crazy. Then, then it's, that's a lot. Yeah. I'm not interested in yeah. all that, man. Yeah. Even though it could certain be certain. You got to can't do it all the time. Certain you know, gigs, though, I could see it. When I'm in six gear prime time, I'm going. I don't got time for that. But I'm saying hundred. See, that's the thing, man. It's like you, I would. I would want to say it. Shout out to. By the way, first plug your my favorite DJ. Follow him on all platforms, right? We did yeah. that before it shuts off. And then okay, uh, Patreon.com forward slash my favorite DJ for the Patreon. Boom. I would say thanks, Joe, for the hundred dollar tip. Here's a song you requested. Right. And then I play the song. Right. And then after that, it's like I'm I'm opening the gate, but it's a, there's a right. ticket price. Right. I gotta be very yeah exactly, and I gotta be very careful now because I. I, I, I think shout outs and not requests, but shout outs do a service to, 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 to your DJ set and, and add to the club and to the, to the value. But too much but, makes you a cruise DJ, like a carnival cruise line. Like, yeah, you gotta be very careful with how you, I mean, it's how you sound too at the end of the day, but I'm very careful not to do that first shout out until it's time. Because mm -hmm. if I open those gates too early, yeah. I'm getting tapped like this. Yep. I brick like, yep. Yep. and I've know? told I've told customers that specifically when they come up to me and it's like 11:45 and they're like, "My friend's birthday's at midnight. Can you please, yeah, like give them a shout?" And I'm like, "Listen, I would love to, but the problem is if I give your friend a shout out at midnight, mm -hmm. I'm gonna get requests for shout outs starting at midnight. Right, right, right. What I would rather do is play. A, what's your friend's favorite artist? Can I play them a song mm -hmm. or ask them what they want to hear? Mm -hmm. And I'll make it work. Like mm -hmm. I say artists because now I can pick because if they go, oh, I want to hear, yeah, yeah, now you're, you know, now yeah. I'm pigeonholed and yeah. they want to hear, you but know, whatever. if you do, you know, there's a price for that. If no, you do, no, no, I, 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 look, if you, if they're genuinely nice and then they come in an appropriate manner, I will always give somebody the time yeah. of day.